Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. I think the CW are just trying to win the time slot war with Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Oh, oh no. Yeah. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and uh, my usual co-host, Morgan Glennon, is taking some time off to prepare for her wedding. Uh, so for this week, I am joined uh, for this episode of Supergirl Radio by Supergirl Radio science consultant, Dr. Nicole Green, to talk about Superman celebration. Now, Nicole, you've been on a live and wired stream before talking about uh, Lena's uh, experiences in the lab and her wardrobe. It was a great presentation. Everyone loved it. Uh, but now you are joining me to talk about Superman Celebration because it was your first time to go, my se- my second time to go, but your first time uh, to go to Superman Celebration. So I'm very excited uh, to have you back. Thank you for joining me. Um, so I guess uh, to get us started talking about Superman Celebration. So if, if people don't know, Superman Celebration is an annual event in Metropolis, Illinois. There's actually a small town called Metropolis. It was actually named Metropolis, I think, in like the 1830s. So it beat DC Comics and Superman by about 100 years. So it's not like they adopted the Metropolis name to try to fit in with the Superman mythos. It just happened to be named Metropolis. And in the 70s, and in, in the 1970s, I guess, uh, since we talked about the, the 1800s, uh, the 1970s, they uh, passed a legal, uh, some sort of law act that uh, dedicated Metropolis, Illinois, is the home of Superman. And so every year they put on this big, uh, well, it's a it's a big festival for a small town, uh, but it's called yeah. Superman Celebration. And uh, they gather Superman fans uh, in near Superman Square with this big Superman statue and the Super Museum that houses, uh, I think, the largest <laughs> Superman collection in the world. Uh, only 20% of the items in the museum are actually uh, well, the the items in the museum that are on display are only 20% of the actual collection. So it's a very small amount, which is uh, overwhelming for me to think of. If you go into that museum, you see all the stuff in there. Uh, but so that's uh, that's what happens every year. Superman fan, fans gather in uh, Metropolis, Illinois, to celebrate Superman and uh, uh, the Superman mythology. So, um, Dr. Nicole, um, what was uh, what was your experience uh, going to Metropolis? How long did it take you to get there? And uh, what were your expectations going in? Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm from a small town in Illinois. So um, my, my parents live about, I guess it was about two and a half hours north of, of Metropolis. So I drove down to see my family from Iowa um, the, the day before, saw some friends, and then uh, convinced my brother-in-law and one of my sisters um, to jump in the car with me and drive down to Metropolis for the day. 
they had just got off their night shift. Actually, they both uh, are nurses. So um, they, they basically jumped in the car right after they got done. We drove down. And yeah, I've, I've been to a lot of small town festivals. Uh, I love a small town festival. This is not anywhere close to the weirdest small town festival I've ever been to. <laughs> um, that would be the meatloaf festival in Paxton, oh. Kansas, which, oh. um, do you, do you get to eat meatloaf while you're there? Is it? You do. There's oh. a, this is a terrible idea. It's like, uh, <laughs> looking back, I was like, we should have never done this. Um, but yeah, you just, like, samples of meatloaf on a table in hmm. a, like a town hall that you go eat. Um, so this was much more professional than that, much better put together, much more thoughtful. Um, so, so yeah, my expectations, I was like, you know, anything, anything more than the like 50 person meatloaf festival, this should be mm. a good time. Um, and I figured at, at minimum, I got to meet some people I had you that I had uh, already talked to and it sounded like the workmen's were going to be there. So I was like, seems like a, a good couple hour drive to, to go see. And uh, yeah, I was impressed. And it sounds like it wasn't even, you know, uh, it, at its at its full capacity this year. So um, I look forward to going back in a normal year. Yeah, some people were saying that they thought it was a little smaller attended, uh, uh, less attended, I guess, to say, uh, because of, you know, pandemic going around, you know, some, yeah. some things with that. Uh, so uh, so it was a, maybe a little bit smaller this year. Uh, but, yeah, we, we did end up having a little Super Bowl radio meetup while we were there. I'm covering Nicole in the picture of my background. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so we got to to hang out. Uh, I I asked everybody if they wanted to go drink kryptonite. There's a restaurant uh, called Fat Ed's. That's across the street from the uh, Superman statue where they serve kryptonite, but they also have a bunch of other superhero drinks. Uh, I think everybody but your sister was drinking kryptonite. She had the Wonder Woman drink. She said it was pretty good. Uh, we were told that the Mr. Freeze drink was no good. Don't get the Mr. Freeze drink. <laughs> that was uh, referred to us by the waitress. Uh, so don't get the Mr. Freeze if you go uh, but I was actually surprised because uh, in my previous experience at Superman Celebration, I, for one, thought the jar was bigger than it was. I remembered it being so much bigger and it wasn't that big <laughs> when I got it, when it was sat in front of me this time. And uh, I actually drank all of it uh, this time, which I, I couldn't even drink even half of it last time. So I think I think they must have changed uh, their recipe because uh, I consumed it uh fairly easily so go if you're ever in metropolis go to fat ed's drink you some crypt some kryptonite because uh, that's a pretty fun experience uh but yeah so we had a little bit of a supergirl radio meetup uh dr nicole was there uh lynn and nikki workman uh they go uh, pretty regularly um i think i, I can't remember the thing. i think they've been going since like 2006 2007 we'll hear from the workmans uh towards the end of our discussion uh, they couldn't join us for this live stream, but we still have uh, their perspective that we will share. Uh, so one of the things that I asked uh, Nicole to do with me while we were there is to do kind of a scavenger hunt inside the Super Museum. So the Super Museum houses the collection of a man named Jim Hambrick. Uh, he had been collecting Superman stuff since he was a kid, and he has this enormous collection. <laughs> and so the Super Museum, it has a lot of old things, but also some weird items, some weird items you wouldn't think uh, would exist. So that was kind of our goal. We had a kind of a vague goal. So we put it to everybody who was with us, find either the weirdest thing or the oldest thing that you think exists in the super museum. So we can talk about some of those things. 
Uh, so one of the things I thought was really interesting was this Krypton rocket. Uh, I, for my uh, investigation, uh, this is from 1956. I don't know much about it. I did find a website that had it for sale. Like you can still buy these things. Um, but uh, so that's from 1956. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Oh, this is a good one. Let me see if I can find it. The um, the water gun. So uh, your brother-in-law, oh, water I think, so I think spotted <laughs> this water gun. So uh, uh, Nicole, will you uh, explain to uh, the listeners slash viewers uh, what what we discovered about this water gun? Yeah, so this this was confusing. I feel like Stephen was the one that figured out how this worked, but it, it seems like it's a it's a water pistol, and the like flesh colored plug that you see on the back of his head is, I think we we decided where you put the water in. Mm, yeah, and then um, then the mouth is where the water would actually come out. That's like where you would shoot people, and then there was like a trigger up under the chin. Um, yeah. it was quite a confusing design. It's very weird. It's very weird that they would use a Superman's face to shoot out water as a water gun. Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, I don't think I would buy it, but this is something that people, I guess, were into in 1966. Uh, so that was a, a toy you could get in the 60s. Um, the oldest thing I think we found um, were these airplanes. So these, I think, uh, date back to World War II. These are Superman wind-up rollover planes from 1940. So just to put it in the historical context, this would have been two years after the creation of Superman. So after the debut of Superman in 1938, they were already rolling out Superman toys uh, for the children. Um, and I guess maybe whoever wanted to collect these things. Uh, but these were... Um, items that you could uh, purchase during World War II. And and those are those are right when you enter the museum, like yeah. almost immediately. So I'm, I'm glad they, I, I, it sometimes frustrates me about the Super Museum because they put all like the really cool old stuff on the bottom shelves. Always. Yeah. It's always in the bottom shelf. Put that up a higher so people yeah. can see it. Uh, but yeah, those, like those right, are really cool. Right come in too. So it was really hard. I feel like we couldn't spend as much time in that first, area because it was like very packed there was a lot of people in that area when we were trying to be there yeah it was an entryway so right as you enter into the museum the airplanes are there on the right side but then people are coming in people are coming out and it does get a little congested there so you can't really uh stop and look very much um i guess some we could talk about the weird things that we found um let's see uh let me let me dig up some this weird things so a lot i of feel like this is what I like excel at in museums. I feel like this is what I do no matter what. So when you were like, I would like to do this challenge, I was very excited. Well, we found some weird things. Uh, let's see. What, what's, a, what's a good one to start with? I guess we could talk about the wigs. There's lots of wigs in the super oh. museum. So I guess we could play a little working it or wiggy. Uh, so if you're in the live chat, let us know working it or, or wiggy on these. So uh, they had some wigs from the Superboy TV series. Uh, so these are frightening. Um, <laughs> so Nicole, working it or Wiggy on these? I, he's these are wigs for the Bizarros from Superboy. So they uh, they definitely look like Bizarros. But um, but the uh, what do you think about these wigs? <laughs> I don't know that any of the wigs that we saw would have been working it. Just just to be fair, but I think the real comparison is like where do they where do they fall in line with the CW modern day? Wigs? Ah. Are, are they um, that much better? 
Do you think? <laughs> I, I feel like they're on par with some of the ones that we've seen. Uh, especially like, what is it? The one, um, all, I feel like Oliver Queen has a really bad wig that this is like giving me those oh, vibes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to go, uh, wiggy on, uh, this, I'm maybe wiggy yeah, on all of definitely. them. Uh, we found yeah. a, like a toy, toy wig from Superman returns. It was a Brandon Ralph wig. If I can get that to come up. Uh, so you could, you could, I guess have Brandon Ralph's hair. Uh, so that, that was an item that you could, you could get if you wanted to, uh, they also have quite the collection of Donnerverse wigs. Uh, they have, uh, famously the, um, Marlon Brando wig. Uh, so that's a, that's a big item in the collection that a lot of times they'll talk about on, you know, special television episodes that talk about the collection. They'll talk about the Marlon Brando wig. And, uh, they also have, uh, Christopher Reeves, uh, Superman wigs. I did not know that he wore wigs, but apparently I guess that's how you get that perfect Superman S girl, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so they do have some Christopher Reeve uh, wigs in there. Definitely to me, a little wiggy, but they on film look good. I mean, they don't, they don't, they don't look like uh, they do in the museum uh, when compared to the film. So I guess they did a good job when they actually uh, shot the films. Uh, one item of, of interest that I think I had seen before, but I never got around to doing any research on it, was uh, this weird <laughs> costume slash like bug vest. Oh, it's in the Supergirl section, and I have no idea why it's there. If I if I ever get a chance to talk to the curators of the Super Museum, I want to know more about this weird. But it looks like dead roaches or something on the vest. And I just, I don't know why it's in the Supergirl section. So if anybody has any idea, please let me know. Cause it's of a uh, great concern uh, to me uh, because there was no information. One of the, the more frustrating aspects of the super museum is that they don't give a lot of, of context <laughs> to a lot of these yeah. things. So you have to, you know, look up some of these things to try to figure out what they are. Uh, we did see a pinata. So if you go into the super museum, make sure to look up. Sometimes they have things uh, hanging from the ceiling. This might be Supergirl. We don't exactly know, uh, but uh, this is a pinata. And uh, they also had some things uh, worth a branding note. Uh, hang on. I'm getting a delayed StreamYard reaction. Uh, so Microsoft, uh, I guess, <laughs> used George Reeves in their um, their some of their promotional materials. Uh, it says it says protecting the world from downtime and uh, replaces S Shield with I guess IT on there. So I thought that was really weird. Uh, Microsoft using George Reeves in the 1950s seemed like a strange choice, uh, but that's uh, what they chose to go with. And they also had. A <laughs> a troll in there uh, that had ST instead of the S shield, uh, I guess for super troll. So that was a weird item. And uh, then Nicole, I know you found uh, some other uh, items of worth. Uh, it looks like uh, Lex Luthor's lab had some sciencey things in the super museum. Uh, do, do you want to talk about the, uh, the bath bombs or the Japanese? Uh, <laughs> I guess they were yeah. candy, candy, something or other. Well, I'm trying to remember. I think this with that corner that was this was primarily memorabilia that was yeah it was marketed in, in other countries. There was that like pole looking thing that you can see, and we were trying to figure out what that was because it says uh, it was like a power shower. So I think we decided it was like a lawn 
attachment that you would then hook a hose up to and you would like this is like a sprinkler oh use in your in your yard it was very odd um so yeah that was there and then the bath bombs were actually in the gift shop um those you i could have bought one of these um i did not buy one of them though I think I think yeah. we should I think we should try them one time just to see <laughs> see how they work. It's it's a bath bomb that's of Superman's face somehow. Yeah. And uh so so I'd be curious to see how well that works. <laughs> uh so that's going to be my next purchase. I spent an embarrassing amount of money in that gift shop but I did not buy the bath bombs. So maybe maybe on my next trip to Metropolis they will still have the bath bombs and we will check that out. One thing that I thought was especially interesting because um, I don't think a lot of people know that uh, I think it was in the 70s, Metropolis, Illinois had planned uh, a, a Superman theme park and it was going to be called The Amazing World of Superman. Uh, Neil Adams, famous DC Comics artist, uh, drew sketches and designs for it. It was going to be awesome. You could go inside the Fortress of Solitude. You could go into this hall of villains and see all the Superman rogues there. It would have been amazing. And it fell through because there was a, a, a gas situation in that decade. And people thought, well, if, if it's hard to get gas, nobody's going to come to visit. And it fell through. Uh, and I think that's where the big Superman statue in Metropolis actually sort of comes from. Because in those designs, there was supposed to be, I think, like a 200-foot tall Superman statue that would uh, be like how people would be greeted at this, uh, this theme park called the amazing world of Superman. Well, uh, and I have a, uh, uh, an article linked in the video description below. Uh, if you want to go read more about the amazing world of Superman. So you can go check that out. Cause it's a really, it's a really cool idea that never <laughs> came to fruition, but inside the super museum, what surprised me is they actually have promotional items for this theme park. They even went so far as to have coupons. They had made coupons where you could get 25% off, uh, or is it, no, it's just 25 cents. So not, not a big coupon. You could get 25 cents off the regular admission price of the Amazing World of Superman. Uh, so they did, they had uh, like a poster. They had some some branding created of Superman holding the world. Uh, and so they had they had posters and coupons created. And I was surprised they had gotten that far. I thought it had just ended at the sketches. But if they were selling coupons. I, I now want to know how far they got with this thing. So that, I think, is a really interesting story that, no, that nobody talks about. There was supposed to be a uh, Superman theme park. And of course, nowadays, you could go like it, most of the Superman stuff like uh, is is it Six Flags, really? Uh, so that yeah. the the DC stuff gets rolled over into Six Flags. So if you if you go on the Supergirl uh, flyer or whatever that thing is called, that looks terrifying that I probably would never get on. That's at a Six Flag Flags theme park. So we probably won't ever get that Superman, the Amazing World of Superman theme park. But that's a cool story, and so I thought it was really cool that they actually had items from that in the museum. So that was really cool. So, um, so what was your experience, Nicole? Did, did you like going into the, the super museum? Yeah, I, I really liked it. It might've been my favorite thing that we did actually, just because, I mean, I, I don't remember how much time we spent in there. We could have spent more time easily. Um, like you said, it was just, there was so much to look at and it's such a small percentage of, of clearly their, their collection. But I think like to sum it up, it was like any, 
promotional, like any, any sort of thing that you could make and, and somehow make it Superman. They did it, whether that was like food or, or um, taking some other known product and then, and then modifying it. Some of the things that you would see, they hold, they had a whole like eat sort of like food section. And uh, there was pretty much anything in there that that you could think of. Um, But yeah, it was, I, I, the one thing that, that you've already mentioned that it would be nice to have some more context. Some of the, the exhibits had better um, like reference photos and things. Um, so you could actually understand what you were looking at and the significance of what you were looking at. Um, Cause I'm sure all of those items, like there's so many items in there that I couldn't appreciate cause I don't know as much about it. Um, Cause even, even like you mentioned, I had never heard of this idea of the theme park. And after you said that before we went in, then, we were able to pick out some different things. Um, so I can see that as you build up your knowledge and you go in that museum year after year and they've rotated their collection that, um, you know, you're, you're never going to have a, a shortage of things to look at. Like you said, it's on the floor all the way to like, you're looking up in, into the ceiling. Uh, so there's, there's just a lot to look at and a lot to appreciate. Yeah, it's 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 so overwhelming. Even even I going in there, like I've seen some of that stuff before, but it's so it's it it overwhelms my senses because it's just there's so much stuff. Um, they do a good job separating it separating out by sections. So there's like a Christopher Reeve section, there's a George Reeves Adventures of Superman section, there's a Supergirl section, there's a Smallville section, there's a Lois and Clark section. They had an, a nice Batman v Superman section. I, I, that was a little bit new uh, for me. So that, that made me happy. Um, but they kind of have it divided up. Uh, but Claudia has a question about how frequently does the museum rotate their collection? I don't know that for sure. They may add some items and take some items away every now and then. Uh, but they don't do like rotating exhibits to my to my knowledge. That's something that I might recommend to them <laughs> if, if they cared about what Rebecca Johnson thought. Uh, but they they don't. It's fine. Uh, but uh, since I work in museums, uh, so I I personally um, not that I'm like a curator or exhibit person or anything, um, but I I would find it more helpful for me as a as an attendee if they had a real focused exhibit that talked about some kind of historical context or some, some, you know, specific part of the Superman mythology. And then they could explain it and help you understand it. Cause I I think I I walk out of there like, Oh, that was really cool. That was really interesting, but I don't know if I learned anything, (laughs) you know? So I I think it would help them if they focused everything, but I think they're just trying to show people as much stuff as they can right up front. So I don't know, Claudia, if they rotate anything, uh, but it, it seems like they add to it every now and then. Yeah. I think the follow-up question to that then is Rebecca, what, what special exhibit would you do if you could, if you could have a focused exhibit? Well, I think, uh, you, you mentioned like the food items, they have a lot of like cereal boxes mm-hmm. and things like that. I think I would be interested in some of those things. Um, because I think they, even at one time, like George Reeves was like, like shilling for Kellogg's, like he did <laughs> commercials and things. Um, and so I think I would be really interested in those kind of quirky uh, thing. Mm-hmm. They have, a, they have a big collection of like coins that are very interesting. Like why were they making these coins? Why, why did they have the, you know, stuff like that. I think if you could, if you could do it by sort of thematic or like um, not genre, but like, you know, things that were, 
uh, sort of similar if you could put some of those kinds of things together or you could do like an exhibit of, you know, Superman films or Superman on television, you know, and then you wouldn't have to put all that stuff out there. But then some people might come for the Christopher Reeve suit, you know, like <laughs> so you don't want to. Uh, I, I think their thing is that they want to embrace all aspects of Superman and have something for everybody because you might walk in there and you're like, I'm a big Lois and Clark fan. I want to see the Dean Kane stuff. And so if, if there's no Dean Kane stuff, then you might not have a good time. I don't know. But I, I think I would I would love to see something more, uh, you know, targeted more specifically about some kind of historical context, uh, because that's the kind of stuff that I find interesting, like those old airplanes from the World War Two yeah. era. I think that's so interesting. Maybe they could do like, a, I mean, they could do a World War Two exhibit and talk about the propaganda in the comics and how they, you know, use that to help, you know, raise money for war bonds or whatever. So I think that would be really, really interesting. But, you know, yeah. but what, maybe one day they'll call me up and be like, Rebecca, what do you think we should do? And I'll be exactly. like, I have a, I have a list. I have lots of things that you could do. Uh, Donna asks, is the museum open year round or primarily just for the celebration? No, it's open all year round. You can go in anytime. I'm sure they have their hours on uh, their website. So definitely go check it out. It's not just for the, uh, <laughs> the three days of uh, celebration, but a lot of people go in there during Superman celebration, mostly because uh, it's air conditioned and uh, <laughs> it was very hot in Metropolis, uh, ridiculously hot in Metropolis. Uh, for the celebration. So it's uh, one of those places you can go in and escape the heat. Uh, but you also get to like see some really cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, I will say, I, if, if you just go on and search, um, I listened to a couple of podcasts about the the Super Museum and Super nice. Celebration on the way back as I was driving because nobody was awake in the car except for me. <laughs> um, but there, there's some some good interviews out there about the Super Museum. Um, and I think you had mentioned there's been some some documentaries and things that are made on it. So um, if you're interested and you can't get there, I would say definitely go uh, go look those up. Yeah, the Super Museum has a YouTube channel as well. I'll, I'll get that linked in the uh, video description as well. And they have some some things there. They they recently did an episode of Collector's Call, which I think is on MeTV with Lisa Welchel, one of one of my faves uh, from the Facts of Life, Blair Warner from the Facts of Life. Give it up! Uh, but she does she does Collector's Call, and uh, they talked to Morgan. Uh, another Morgan, uh, not not Morgan Glennon, uh, but she is the daughter of Jim Hambrick, who has all, this whole collection. And so she sort of co-runs the museum now. And so she's she does a lot of the interviews, but they they talked about their collection and the things in there. So um, I highly recommend checking it out. Um, let's see. Chase asks, where is the museum? So the museum is in Metropolis, Illinois. You can't miss it because uh, if you put in your GPS Superman statue, It'll take you right there. So so the big Superman statue is uh, on one side of the street. Uh, the Super Museum is, I don't know, 30 feet away. I mean, it's right like there. Yeah, it's uh, it's right down from the, the big Superman statue. So you can't miss it. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Claudia says, I think they should have a collection of contemporary Superman-related items, like about Supergirl, Superman, and Lois, and the current DC films uh, would appeal to the newer fans. Yeah, I think they could definitely do kind of uh, Superman in the modern day. Uh, I think Donna mentioned a different set of items quarterly, like the Country and Western Music Museum in Nashville. So, yeah, they could do uh, something like that. So, uh, most museums have, you know, a couple of big exhibits a year, depending on their <laughs> their funding and uh, their resources. Uh, but yeah, so I, I guess it's kind of up to them uh, how they want to present it. But I think they're just trying to hit 
hit everybody <laughs> inside that museum. But yeah. but if you if you do go, take your time because uh, there is a lot to see there. And uh, now, Nicole, uh, you left before the event that I went to Saturday night. And I think because this is relevant to the Super Museum, I think we should talk about this now. I was going to wait until the end and really spook everyone out. Uh, <laughs> but I think we should talk about it while we're talking about the Super Museum because it is relevant to the Super Museum. So Saturday after Nicole and her family left and left me all by myself, uh, <laughs> I uh, went to uh, a thing that Morgan Glennon actually uh, kind of semi-requested that I go check out because she was interested in it from the schedule. It was uh, called The Ghosts and Hauntings of Metropolis. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll I'll go. Morgan wanted to see what this was. So I'll go check it out, see what's going on. And I thought it was just going to be like, you know, telling spooky stories or something. I I didn't know what it was. I was like, well, I'm not really, uh, I kind of get freaked out by this kind of stuff. But I'll go (laughs) go and see what it was. I didn't know. Was it like a ghost tour? Did we go somewhere? I didn't know what it was. So I get there. It's in this tent outside. And it turned out that it was a presentation by a real life paranormal investigator. And uh, so this this was a bigger deal than I thought it was. I thought it was just going to be people telling ghost stories. This was a paranormal investigator who actually uh, and and I'll have a video clip that (laughs) has him explaining more of this. But uh, he investigated inside the super museum. So he and his team uh, had gotten uh, permission to go into the super museum to uh, look uh, and I guess speak to ghosts inside the super museum. So um, we might hear, might, I'm going to let you decide what what you think of this, uh, because he made the claim in the case that he actually spoke to the ghost of George Reeves and uh, the ghost of Christopher Reeves. So I guess all of the supermen are hanging out together inside the super museum, which I guess makes sense. I mean, if you're uh, an actor who's, who's passed away and you're a ghost and you played Superman, wouldn't you go to the super museum for Superman celebration? I guess that makes sense. Uh, Yeah. At least for that day, right? Yeah. At least go down for the weekend. I mean, might as well be there. Uh, so I guess all the Superman are hanging out together in the Super Museum. Uh, so we, which is so interesting because we were just in that museum prior to me going to this event. So I was already like, oh, I just I was in there like a couple of hours ago and I did not see the ghost of George Reeves. So now next time I go, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to listen. I'm going to talk to him, see if he talks back. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so I attended this presentation. It was very long. I cut it down to a digestible amount of time with the really juicy stuff uh, so, so that, so that uh, we could talk about it. Um, but uh, it was, it's very interesting. I, I don't, I don't know what I think about it completely, um, but uh, I'll, uh, I'll play his evidence as he uh, presents it to us and then we'll talk about it. And, you know, Nicole, uh, since you're a science consultant, we can talk about the science <laughs> of this if you would like to. Uh, so uh, I'm going to I'm going to play it for you. I've got two clips. One is him presenting the uh, evidence for him speaking to George Reeves, because, I mean, I think we solved his mysterious death. I, I think the case is closed now. We know case how closed. he did. We know how George Reeves died, uh, which I guess I should hit. Uh, before we get there and, and explain to people if, if you don't know about George Reeves' death or even George Reeves himself. So George Reeves was an actor who played Superman 
in the 1950s on the TV show, The Adventures of Superman. It was a huge hit. All the kids of that era would go home. They would uh, after school and they'd watch Superman on TV. It was a big, big deal. And uh, one one day uh, he turns up dead. Superman is dead uh, by a, a a gunshot wound, uh, which is interesting because Superman is famously uh, bulletproof. Um, so uh, there is some question, though. They they ruled it a suicide, um, but uh, there was some question of uh, well, was he murdered? Uh, because he had been he'd been having an affair with a studio executive's wife. And the, the studio executive kind of knew about it. It was sort of out in the open. It was a really weird dynamic and relationship. Um, but that studio executive had ties to the mob. So there is a, a theory out there that the uh, that when George Reeves broke up with this woman he was having the affair with and uh, got engaged to this other lady, uh, I think her name was Leonora Lemon, which sounds like a fake oh, name to me. Great name. <laughs> sounds great like name. it sounds like that can't be her real name. Uh, but he had gotten engaged to some other lady, and the uh, uh, Tony Mannix, the woman he had ha- been having the affair with, was apparently very heartbroken. And so I think Eddie Mannix, her husband, uh, some some people theorize that maybe he was defending his his wife who had been very heartbroken and put out a hit on George Reeves. So uh, so I hope that clears up some of the, the historical context of what we're about to hear. Um, so uh, George Reeves uh, death ruled a suicide, but some people believe that a- a- Eddie Mannix was responsible uh, for his murder because there's a lot of weird stuff like uh, he had gotten shot once that killed him. But then there were also two two bullet holes in the room. There was no gun residue on his hands. It's very, very mysterious. Mm. So this guy, Adrian Lee, who's a, a paranormal investigator, he goes inside the Super Museum with his team and his equipment. And I'm going to let him continue to explain uh, what they did and what they found. And uh, we'll come back and uh, see what we think. My name is Adrian Lee. I'm the founder of the International Paranormal Society. This is my team. I have teams all over the world. We're a worldwide non-profit organization. We were doing an event in Nashville. We found Metropolis by accident. We just needed to find a hotel and we found Metropolis. I asked Morgan to investigate and these are my findings. Before we go any further, I just want to tell you what some of the equipment does because you're going to see it in the video. First and foremost, you may have seen these on the paranormal TV shows, right, where they have a ghost box and it scans radio frequencies. So you may have seen them on the TV shows where they play them and they go dip, 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 because they're scanning the AM frequencies. And then you get snippets of words come through. So the idea is that the spirit can communicate with you through using the white noise on the radio scanner. So some of the responses you're going to hear is based on the ghost box, and there's many different types on the market. So when we do paranormal investigations, during the course of the vigil, we'll do three or four different versions of a ghost box and try and get the same evidence so it makes our evidence better that we've got the same information but on three or four different devices so when people try to bunk it we can say well hang on you know this is happening on lots of different devices so one of the things i want you to be aware of is the ghost box there's a device called a k2 emf meter when you see lights flickering and things going off it's because they're reading the amount of electrical magnetic energy that's in the air. 
Do you remember the scene in Ghostbusters where you're in the library and you see that device with the arms suddenly raised and he says, well, the energy's high here. That exists. That's a piece of equipment we actually use. And we also have devices that measure static and other types of energy. So I'll talk about it more as we go along. But I just wanted to give you a minute there for discussing what the equipment does. We looked at the artifacts that belonged to George and of course they have clothing, glasses, they've got his union cards there on the right underneath the cabinet, lots of personal possessions. We set up initially in the middle of the floor there. So in that little cabinet where you see that shirt hanging, he's actually got some poker chips in there that belong to him. I've got George uh, with me. There's a mystery surrounding his death and I've now got an opportunity to ask him the things you've always wanted to ask, right? George, can you tell me, did you shoot yourself, yes or no? <laughs> no. Could you tell me the name of the person who killed you? <laughs> That's a Max, I did say names. What's the first name of the person that killed you, George? <laughs> I asked if they broke into his property and he said they beat the security and followed that up by saying yes. Did they break into the property? <laughs> yes. It's crazy that you hear him say beat the security. These are false sentences. So just based on what we've got with George, he said four times in a row he never shot himself. I asked him who shot him or who was involved in that, he said Mannix. I said, can you give the first name? He says, Eddie. Uh, he goes on to say that several times. He said a hitman was then paid. They broke into his property. They got through the security. And he did say that the police checked to see if there was gunpowder residue on his hands. So everything that was a mystery, everything they didn't know about, we've resolved from the very lips of the dead. George has told us himself, because he was there, of course, what actually happened to him. So I think I think it's Mr. Solve. We got it. George I Reeves mean, was murdered by Eddie. Eddie Mannix uh, putting out a hit on him. I think, um, you know, done. Let's let's get uh, let's get the legal consultants on here. Let's let's see if that's going to hold up in court. Oh, we should. We should do that. <laughs> we should do a whole episode just on the mysterious death of George Reeves. Now. OK, so. I, I apologize for the bad audio quality. I was recording on my iPhone and it was hard for us even while we were there to hear it. Uh, it was helpful because he did sort of put the, the, the words on the screen. So if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, uh, you might want to watch the live stream just to see um, the words that they actually, they transcribed um, what was there. Uh, so, so it was hard for us to hear. They said that they might put it on like the super museum's website. I don't know when that's going to happen, uh, but uh, they did have audio files and they did show video of them. And I just kind of cut it for time, but they did show video of them in the dark inside the super museum with all of their equipment doing all of that. So, so they did actually physically go into the super museum and do these, these tests with these, this, these pieces of equipment. They had a whole documentary they showed about them doing it. Um, so, uh, so Dr. Nicole Green, <laughs> I am curious, uh, what you think about this evidence? 
Uh, I'm glad that you this mute during the the audio because the first response I did, I just very viscerally like reacted and said, no, <laughs> I hate paranormal stuff. The last thing I want to think about is being by myself in a space and having other things that I can't see around me. Um, so this sounds like a nightmare. I would never analyze any of this. Uh, but, um, I guess it's a little disconcerting that we were in that same space, uh, that they were doing this, this analysis, but, um, I don't know anything about these particular devices. I've seen them, you know, in, in different ghost shows, like on TLC or whatever, like, or, uh, some of these, these before I would have to look into how, how, um, they work exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to say it probably doesn't hold up in the scientific community. Um, it seems like things being visible and, and measurable um, are, are a big part of, of the, the science. But uh, I know there are a lot of people that, that are into this and that, that conduct these analysis. So um, I would say the, the cell biologists probably aren't going to respond to this evidence. But I'm, I'm wondering if this if this solves the murder. Let's do it. Does it hold up in a legal context? Can yeah. can we get justice for for this this murder? Yeah, I, I wonder if they could take it into court and be like, we have we have George Reeves telling us what happened. Uh, it is interesting because I did, uh, and they have the paranormal investigators. Just to be fair, they have different devices that they can use to corroborate each finding so they can back it mm -hmm. up by like showing the energy that's around the area. And then they have these uh, things like this ghost box where they, they say that the, the ghosts are talking through it through the white noise. And so they have all these different things to kind of uh, verify each claim uh, according to uh, what they do. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. I I'm a Christian. I believe in the afterlife. Uh, so I have no problem with uh, believing that there's something that we can't see. I actually think that that's probably true. Uh, so I have no problem with that. Um, and he actually, before, before he did all this, this whole presentation, he, he kind of freaked me out though. Cause he was telling stories of other things he had seen. Like he, mm -hmm. and again, this is not something like he could really confirm to me we're just kind of going on his word. So like he, he didn't have any pictures or video or anything and I wasn't there. So I don't know, but he was telling a story about how he had seen a, a ghost manifest in smoke into a humanoid figure. And it came like right to his face. He's seen ghosts walk through the wall. So I don't know how much of that is true. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I can't say one way or the other cause I wasn't there. I didn't see it with my own eyes. Uh, but so he 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 told the, those stories before the presentation even got started. So I was like, oh, what have I signed up for? I'm getting a little freaked out. Um, so <laughs> so I I think this is interesting, though. I don't know how much I believe it one way or the other. He did say um, one of the things he he tried to play, but you couldn't really hear it. But he said that George Reeves spoke to him like we're talking now, like even without the ghost machines like ghost uh go, ghost christopher uh no ghost george reeves we'll get to ghost christopher reeve in a second but he said that um uh george reeve uh said hello to him while they were in the super museum so next oh. time next time we're there we'll we'll see what george is up to and uh yeah. see see what's going on maybe maybe he'll talk to us i don't know yeah um, hey, hey george reeve like you're just walking around say hi to everybody yeah i mean just you know let us let us know you're there um so I don't know. I think it's really kind of interesting because if you do listen to it, it does sometimes sound like 
when when you hear the 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 name Mannix, that does sound like that's somebody saying Mannix. Like some of those things do sound like they're saying those things. Here's, so here's what I need. That's what I think is kind of creepy about it. I need the raw. I need confirmation that this is like a raw, unedited file. Like, because do I believe that it sounds like that? Sure. But um, here's the thing is all of the things that I would need to feel confident about this, I would need to experience them or hear things that I'm not interested in hearing the ghost of like, you know, this ghost voice talk to me. I don't need to experience that in my life. I'm very scared <laughs> of everything like that. Um, so like experiencing any of this, so like the room getting cold, I don't want any of it. <laughs> so like in that sense, I'm like, I trust you. It sounds great. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to go go on your experience because I sure as sure as heck don't don't want to experience that myself. Well that's the thing I thought too. I was like, well you could kind of fake some of this uh in editing. Um I mean I'm an editor. I you know talk about that kind of stuff all the time. So I could mm-hmm. I could record myself saying Mannix and then put like a little sound effect over on top of it right. to to make it sound a little creepy, a little ghosty. Um, so yeah. I, I don't know. But then <laughs> I, this sounds terrible. Uh, but uh, but then after I thought, well, maybe they faked all this. And then I saw the documentary they put together and I was like, oh, this is not edited very well. So it kind of made me think, well, maybe they couldn't fake this because that would have <laughs> to be really faked really well. <laughs> so, yep. I don't, so I don't know. I mean, it. I, the documentary was fine, but Rebecca Johnson would have cut that a little different. Um, so, so I don't know. It's, it's, I just think it's, I'm just going to say it's interesting. I don't know one way or the other what I think about it, uh, but it definitely creeped me out. Now, uh, Donna has a, a suggestion, you know, uh, asking if we've seen Hollywood Land with Ben Affleck playing George Reeves. I also linked that into the video description if you're interested. Hollywood Land is a fantastic film even if you're not interested in superman or uh the death of george reeves it's a really well-made film and ben affleck does a really good job as george reeves and it uh it does a good job of putting out all of the theories behind his death Mm -hmm. the the stuff that we're talking about with eddie and tony mannix and his suicide and was he depressed because he was superman he couldn't get other you know work that he wanted to do um so it lays out all the theories and kind of lets you decide uh, what you think about it. And so I think it's a really well-made film. So if you're interested in this mystery, give it a shot uh, and <laughs> see what you think happened. Uh, so definitely check out Hollywood Land. Uh, so, yeah, so there was George Reeves. So we heard from George, the the spirit of George Reeves, uh, and uh, you know, confirming that Eddie Mannix uh, murdered him, case solved. Uh, so, uh, I think the next, uh, super spirit that we should hear from is Christopher Reeve. So, uh, the same team, uh, while they were in the super museum, I mean, while you're there, you might as well see Christopher Reeve's there, uh, cause they do have, uh, one of his suits, his wigs. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, so there is, uh, a presence of Christopher Reeve there. Uh, so this one, uh, this one might be. Uh, a little bit uh, more interesting in terms of the audible that you'll hear. And we'll talk about that. It's, it's much shorter. Uh, I don't guess they spent a lot of time with Christopher Reeve or maybe, maybe Christopher uh, didn't really want to say much. Yeah. Uh, so they, this was like, I think the best evidence that they could present at the time. Uh, so we'll, we'll play this and then we'll come back and we'll, 
We'll see what you think. In the back of the building where the big Batman statue is and they've got a little train, if you remember, that you put quarters in for the kids to ride on. Just in a very quiet moment, I said to my team, I wonder if Christopher Reeve is here. They have his costumes, they have his wigs. I never knew that Christopher Reeve wore a wig. A revelation to me. So in a very quiet moment, just for a couple of minutes, I thought, wouldn't it be fabulous if we could have a chat to Christopher Reeve, right? So here's me trying to find a nice little moment with Chris. And there's quite a big build up to this because I want to, you know, explain to him what we're doing. And I will play this a couple of times because it's the only thing we did with Chris, but it's such a nice response that it just almost brings a tear to your eye, makes you, you know, goosebumps go up on your arms. If Christopher is here, perhaps you could shout your name out again, and I'd be happy to talk to you as well, so if you shout your name out. listening to that, that sounds like him. That sounds like his accent and it sounds like his voice. Listen to the response of Grateful. If Christopher is here, perhaps you could show your name out again and I'd be happy to talk to you as well. So if you show your name out. <laughs> think that sounds like the man himself right so uh that one was a little bit different uh it's still a little hard to hear so my apologies on that again it was hard to hear for us there uh but there is a little bit of a difference there because there is a um uh uh an like you can hear the the reaction or the response of the the word grateful it comes in a little clearer than some of those uh, from George Reeves. I guess maybe because George died so much earlier, maybe he's dissipating a little bit as a spirit and it's not coming through. I don't know how that works. Um, uh, but, but it, it was a little clear, clearer as it came in. And I will admit that did sort of sound like Christopher Reeve. So that, that's kind of the spooky thing about it. He does say, if you, if you couldn't hear the, the last part of it, uh, they, they claim that he said the word grateful and that he said his name, Chris, and then Christopher. Those the, the name part of it was a little harder to hear. But if you listen to it really uh, intensely, you can kind of make that out. Uh, but so I'm, I'm curious, Nicole, uh, with with that piece of evidence, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, did did we speak uh, or did they speak? We, we didn't actually get to speak to Christopher Reeve. Uh, but do you think that they were uh, speaking to Christopher Reeve? Here's my question is if this is, if they've been working on this for a while, why do we not have better audio for talking <laughs> to the ghost? I feel like we never get a clear audio file from the ghost conversation. Um, I, yeah, I probably will not be listening to this segment again. I was like, <laughs> I did not like this stuff. Uh, there's a reason that we left and it wasn't just that it was going to be late getting home. It's like, I was like, I'm not interested in this. Um, 
I will say Donna made a good point in the chat that uh, the spooky lights, he really set the scene. Uh, he was he was giving you like an atmosphere in which to listen to these clips clearly. Um, he had some some good lighting and, and all that. So there's there's some showmanship. He was really selling his his evidence, I think. He was he was doing his best. Um, but yeah, that's that's my thing. Bring bring back clear audio. Let's let's reassess this when we've got better audio. Um, so yeah, that that would be my suggestion to the paranormal science community. Um, yeah. Work work on your devices. I, I do think that's a, a good point because he said that the the same stuff that was used in Ghostbusters for the 1980s was stuff they used. So it doesn't sound like they really updated their equipment since the 1980s. So uh, maybe they need to yeah. re refine some of those those pieces of equipment. I feel like we should put Lena on this. She made that cool like little pack thing like let's put her on these what it was the em emfs or i don't remember what the name uh is, they, i think they use like emf something or other and white noise i think is how the the ghosts are coming through uh some sort of white noise frequency uh so yeah so i the christopher reeve one is is kind of spooky because it it does come in really clear and it does sound like him so it's uh it's a little it's a little freaky so imagine uh it's like 9 30 10 o'clock it's dark and uh, you're out there with just a, a I mean, there was a, it was a big crowd at, the, at that presentation, uh, but it was it was uh, it was one of those things where I got kind of freaked out by the end of it that it, it had ended and I wanted to leave. But I also didn't want to walk back to my car by myself because <laughs> I had to walk right. all the way down that that uh, that street to go back to the Superman statue to then walk back to my car, which is a little further away. Because I usually just pro tip, I usually like to park down by the American Legion building uh, because there's there's always a spot there, so I don't have to worry about parking. Uh, but I had a, a long way to go, so I I waited until everybody got up and left because <laughs> I did not want to go back to my car. And even then, yeah. I walked a little faster than. I might have <laughs> normally walked yep. uh, just because yep. uh, I, I I'm like you. I don't really do that spooky stuff. I know Morgan is into like spooky season and stuff like that, but I I can't do it. I it's uh, it's not for me anymore. Uh, so that especially yeah. since it was like you know kind of I mean you know regardless what you think about the paranormal investigations, uh, this was a real thing they did. They like went in there. Use these these pieces of equipment had a whole setup. They did a whole thing, uh, so this was not like like a pretend thing. They actually went in and did this stuff. So, um, as far as we know, it wasn't a pretend thing. Uh, but anyway, so this this was interesting to me because it, it was it was more interesting and very Superman specific than I thought it would be. He also uh, made some uh, claims about the Birdman of Alcatraz, who's buried in a cemetery near. Uh, near metropolis and he also went to go investigate an airbnb uh so uh i'm never gonna stay at that airbnb yeah. ever <laughs> yeah i'm gonna look no. that up and, and make sure i never stay there if i so, stay overnight yeah, <laughs> yeah, apparently there is uh some some stuff going on at the airbnb not quite to the extent of uh speaking to the super ghosts uh but that that was something that i i was surprised by that it was it was that uh that's specific to uh, the museum. So that was really interesting. So now that we've gotten all that kind of spooky stuff out of the way, mm -hmm. let's talk about some other fun things. This, yeah. this way we're not going to, you know, go to bed tonight thinking about this stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll have get, gotten past it. Um, I did uh, have some celebrity encounters uh, at Superman celebration. So one of the big draws for me personally was uh, Nicole Tom, who uh, voiced the, uh, 
the Supergirl from Superman, the animated series, and also Justice League Unlimited. Uh, so I did uh, meet up with her, get my picture taken, and I also got her to sign a comic that I recently bought that had her version of Supergirl on it. Uh, she was so nice and kind of spunky and kind of like the Supergirl uh, on uh, Superman the Animated Series. So that was really fun to see her personality and how it sort of matched up with her version of Supergirl. Uh, so I do have some Supergirl-related uh, clips of her panel. Uh, so uh, let's check that out, and then uh, we can talk about it. Let me start with Supergirl, since we are at the Superman celebration. Yes. Was was this a role that they sought you, you auditioned for, your agent sent tapes? I, I actually auditioned for it um, uh, three times. And I, uh, I, I auditioned with Andrea, the um, uh, director and creator mm -hmm. of the show. And um, it was... It, it was like it was it was my very first uh, voiceover audition. Um, yeah, and uh, that was lucky enough to have been cast. How was your experience voice acting? Was it was it something that you you decided this this might be a good career move? It was amazing. I I absolutely I love doing voiceover work. Um, because it's it's kind of like doing a play. Like we read through the entire episode um, with everybody in the room and everybody's mic, and um, and then we all, we have to do like the sound effects too, like the, the crowd mumble, jumble, you know, like the, the different like grunts and stuff. But actually, after we do the sound, like for the the, the first read through of it. Um, then they, they send that off and they make they made the cartoon um, from our voices um, and then they send it back like after it's all um, you know drawn out and, and uh, put together and and that's when we come back and do like the, um, the punches and the, the zooms you know and the, the grunts from like getting hit or like if there's an explosion, they need a reaction, so they'll um, do that afterwards. Everybody um, in the room is, like if I was to get, um, you know, zapped by an explosion or something, I would literally like, you know, you have to, you have to use your whole body to, to get the right sound out. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there were people falling over and, <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people stand when they do it, so they can just like, you know, you know, just really get into it. Um, yeah, if they had a, a video camera um, on us, you know, doing the, the voices, um, that would have been a, a show in itself. It wasn't like making the, uh, the the Girls' Night episode and working with Tara Strong as an act girl, and also playing the dual role of uh, in GLU. In the dual role GLU of Supergirl and Galatea is basically being a version of Power Girl. So what was that like? Oh my gosh! Um, it, you know, I I was asked that question of, a while ago on the um, a podcast, and I like what was my favorite. Um, uh, Superman uh, episode and or Batman, you know, or voicing Supergirl, and I completely forgot about um, Girls Night Out. Of course, like that was that was so much fun to do that and work with Tara. She is she's amazing. I mean, she she can do so many different voices, and um, and it was just it was really nice to have like 
just like, you know, girl power, you know, us just hanging out and, and <laughs> um, I had a, I had a lot to do in that episode and also the, the Galatea, like, you know, playing different um, uh, characters and then trying to make the, 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 my voice like, you know, just because Supergirl really was my voice. It was just, it was just me. <laughs> it wasn't like I was really putting on anything. Um, but uh, for, you know, the more evil twin, um, I did have to like kind of change it up a little bit. So that was challenging and fun. Well, there's been a lot of superhero cartoons over the years, over the decades, but those Timbers cartoons, you ask most superhero fans, that's the gold standard. Uh, were you aware when you were working on these cartoons, what kind of legacy, what kind of an impact, how amazing they were at the time? I, I, I really wasn't. I, I wasn't. I mean, I, I knew, I knew how, I knew how cool Supergirl, you know, was, but I didn't really, it, it wasn't what it is now, you know, like, it, and to think that it, you know, the shows that, that, were, that I voiced, you know, that I was the first voice, <laughs> it, it's kind of, um, it's an honor, and it's amazing to have been a part of something like this. I mean, it really is. I, I'm so proud to be Supergirl. <laughs> So she is too cute. And uh, if you've never seen Superman, the animated series or Justice League Unlimited, I highly recommend them. Justice League Unlimited is like one of my favorite DC interpretations, uh, period. Not even just like favorite TV shows, but like that that world of the DC universe is such a good one. So if you've never checked those out, uh, give it a shot and uh, check out Nicole as Supergirl because she she really did a good job. So uh, I highly recommend. Um, I also uh, met up with some other celebrities that were there at Superman Celebration. Uh, Stacey Haddock was there. She played Lana Lang on Superboy. And when I went up to her, I said, you know, I like Superboy. Uh, but I'm an even bigger fan of The Young and the Restless. And she played Patty Williams on The Young and the Restless. She played kind of a villain, but sometimes Patty would do the right thing and uh, and help other people. But she was mostly kind of crazy. Um, and so I loved Patty Williams and, and her time on The Young and the Restless. I've been watching The Young and the Restless forever and ever. And so uh, I got a picture uh, with her and uh, I have the biggest dorkiest smile on my face because I got to meet somebody from The Young and the Restless. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, I talked to her about the fact that, you know, uh, soap, uh, soap fans are multi-generational. My grandmother watched YNR. My mom watches, uh, YNR. I watch YNR. And so we, we talked about that. And it was actually a really interesting kind of, you know, short conversation about how, you know, soap operas are so important to the, the family structure really, and how they should never die. And so that was actually kind of an inspirational conversation I had with her about soap operas. Uh, so I really enjoyed uh, getting to meet Stacey Haddock. And uh, she told me she was on uh, Days of Our Lives playing another crazy character. So I'm going to have to check out Days uh, since I haven't been watching that in a while so I can see what she's up to there. I also met uh, Kay Callen, who was Martha Kent on Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, one of my favorite uh, Martha Kents. And uh, so she was really cute, uh, super short, <laughs> but uh, she was really cute. And uh, she actually, uh, she wanted us to take a couple of pictures because she wanted some candid shots. She, she, she was sort of directing the person taking the uh 
the the picture. So uh, that's why I'm kind of laughing in, in my picture here on the live stream is because <laughs> I thought that was so funny. She she didn't want to just like have a, a, you know, a stiff picture where we just looked at the camera. She wanted some some fun, candid shots. So uh, it was really cool. That's the um, the third Lois and Clark uh, cast member I've met. Uh, I've met Dean Kane. I've met uh, Tracy Scoggins, who played Cat Grant on Lois and Clark. And now I've met uh, Martha Kent uh, and, and Terry Hatcher forever has been my white whale. I've never been able to track Terry Hatcher down. I would probably faint if I ever did <laughs> uh, because I love her Lois Lane so much. And of course she was on Supergirl as Queen Rhea. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, she, she's my white whale. I need to find Terry Hatcher. <laughs> so I got to complete yeah. the, I got to complete the set. Uh, also, I think Justin Whalen uh, who played Jimmy, one of the Jimmy Olsen's on that show. I could probably track, uh, I could probably track the the two uh, Jimmy Olsen's there. Uh, unfortunately, Lane Smith, who played Perry White, has has already passed away. And I think Jonathan Kent, uh, the actor who played him, has already passed away. So I got to get the Jimmy Olsen's and Terry Hatcher. And then uh, I got my set. Uh, <laughs> I'll be good. Nice. Uh, so so that was a lot of fun uh, to get to meet them. They had a, a little room where they were all in there. So that was a good time to get to meet them. All very friendly, all very nice. Um, one of the things that uh, Morgan also wanted me to check out, she she gave me kind of uh, her her wish list uh, for mm-hmm. my Superman celebration schedule. Uh, she wanted me to check out what was called the Kryptonian Glow Dance. So I went there Friday night uh, just to see what it was. They handed out uh, like glow sticks that would go around your neck. So I got one of those, put one on, and they had lights that would switch colors every now and then. And uh, they had music and people people danced, and uh, that was kind of fun. It sort of died down within about 15 minutes, so it was a little disappointing. It didn't last very long. People weren't in it. Like, I think I think we all did the YMCA, and then it was over. <laughs> so uh, I was disappointed that the, the glow dance didn't really... Uh, stick around for too long. Uh, Everybody seemed a little disinterested after a while. I think what I would recommend to them about the glow dance, if they were to do it again, is to maybe uh, play songs that everybody like knows the dance to. I think at one point they played the Macarena. You could do the Macarena, of course, YMCA. You could do the shout dance. You you could do the electric slide. You know, all those things that everybody knows, I think would allow people to have like a participatory function there. So I was a little disappointed with the glow dance. Uh, that it didn't uh, last as long as I wished it would. Yes. Based on all of the Southern Illinois weddings I've been to, which I've been to quite a few, um, I would say like structured, defined dances that everyone knows are like, that's key. Yeah. uh, Dances that even if you don't know, maybe you could learn while you're there. So I, so that's, that's what I would recommend uh, for the next glow dance. Uh, And I guess I should also uh, sort of mention here, uh, I find it strange that Metropolis has a, a real obsession with kryptonite. They have the kryptonite drink. They have this Kryptonian glow dance where they, they give out green necklaces. They they sell kryptonite rocks at the museum. They have a new like water park thing for kids where they have a big kryptonite structure there that kids can climb on. I just I just want to make it clear to the people of Metropolis, Illinois. Kryptonite, green kryptonite specifically can hurt Superman. Like I just, I hope, <laughs> I hope everybody knows that. So they, they do put kryptonite in a lot of things. Uh, so it, it is a little weird that they did have a Kryptonian glow dance, but it was fun uh, for, for a while it was hopping. It was hopping, but, but it kind of petered out after a while. Um, also want to, if they oh, yeah. made it, they should make it a gala and then we can live out a real life boardroom or ballroom. 
they should i don't know why they're not doing that that could that well, I mean, is like it's like 100 degrees so i don't know that you <laughs> want to be in nice clothes but they were talking about uh i think this is lynn and nikki workman were talking about a prom that they have typically yeah i think seems like maybe a substitute for that yeah, they might have used to have uh, like a Smallville prom or something like that. So I think they, they used to have something. I guess they turned it into more of a family-friendly atmosphere where kids could get in there and dance. And uh, So it's it's a good idea. But I think pick, pick songs everybody knows, pick dances everybody knows. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's going to – because that's, that's what's fun for me. It's like, oh, I know this dance. I can do this. Uh, so I think that might be helpful. So – uh, maybe maybe we can help them uh, make the Kryptonian glow dance a little little fun, a uh, little mm-hmm. little little funkier, a little more fun. All right, and so one of the other things I did this was uh, Friday before uh, Nicole and uh, her family and the Workmans uh, joined up with me. Um, there was a, an item on the schedule called uh, it was something about a, a a human chess match, and I was very curious about what this was. Uh, so I went to go check it out, and I will let. Uh, past Rebecca, past Superman Celebration Rebecca, explain this to everybody, and you'll get to see uh, what the uh, human chess uh, match looked like. There was also a human, it was like a superhuman, superhero human chess match uh, that they did where they had cosplayers dressed up as different characters, and they put them on a a big chess board and they, they sort of choreographed the moves beforehand. It wasn't just, you know, Oh, they're playing chess. Cause that could probably take hours, days. I don't know. I don't play chess, but I hear it's, it's a long process. They knew kind of the moves they were going uh, to do beforehand because it was actually a little bit of a theatrical production. I mean, not even a little bit, it was a theatrical production. Um, so they basically had, uh, they sort of set it up, as if they were starting to play was Supergirl versus Vandal Savage. Those were the the chess players, but the the pieces on the board were actual human cosplayers as uh, superheroes and villains of the DC universe. And uh, there were some murmurings before it started because everybody noticed that Manchester Black was in the hero's side. And of course we all know Manchester Black is a villain. He's, he's a bad guy. So there was a reason for that. And the big reason was in the middle of the game, Manchester Black kills Lois Lane and Lois Lane dies big dramatic death. Supergirl, are you familiar with the uh, professional wrestling term? No. Uh, uh, allow me to enlighten you. You see, there are two kinds of wrestlers. Good guys known as baby faces and bad guys known as heels. And one of the worst things that happens in the ring is when the baby face turns out to be a heel. Uh-oh. Oh, I assume that you will if you pay close attention, but you won't like it. Now, Manchester. Oh. Yes! There we go! There we go now! Boom!
And so Superman, we're, we're told by Rip Hunter, who showed up out of nowhere. So Rip Hunter decided he was going to come in and explain time travel to us. All right, all right. Not to worry, everybody. Relax. My name is Rip Hunter. So just like in uh, Superman the movie when Lois dies, he we hear the whooshes of the sound of Superman turning back time by flying in reverse. And I know what that sound is. That's Superman in the air. That's the sound of a man flying around the globe. Going faster. Faster. Oh, man. He's going back in time. Oh, this is crazy. This is dangerous. I can only hope that the time circuits on the way rider can hold us in this moment. Dr. Ray, please, try to help us. Physical energy, keep us in this moment. There was some cheese. There was a cheese factor to this production, but the moment when everyone started cheering on Lois to come back to life, it was really sweet. Like that was a sweet moment that the crowd got into it, the audience got into it, and everybody was really invested in the story and wanting to see her come back to life. And so she does. Lois Lane is resurrected, and uh, the time travel resets the game. So Superman sort of cheats a little bit, and he resets the game. And they play out the final game in sort of faster time. And so the game ends, spoiler alert, by uh, by having Lois Lane checkmate Nuclear Man, who was the king on the other side of the board. So Superman was the king on the hero side. Nuclear Man was the uh, king on the other side of the board. So I, I thought it ended up being a pretty cool idea. I think some of it could have been refined a little bit. I don't know how much time they had to rehearse, but... Um, but it ended up being a really sweet little thing. I ended up enjoying it even though there was, you know, little small town cheese to it. I think I have a new idea for a future Supergirl radio game night. Uh, I don't know how to play chess, yeah. but if someone does, uh, let us know. And uh, maybe we can arrange uh, some sort of DC Comics uh, chess match. Uh, but yeah, so that was that was kind of that was an interesting idea. So I was glad I went. Uh, one of the other things uh, that I wanted to mention was uh, that I ran into a cosplayer I recognized from two years ago. Uh, so uh, there's a cosplayer uh, that goes to uh, Metropolis uh, for Superman celebration. Uh, her name is Marin, and she uh, was there in uh, Metropolis this year. And I, I noticed her right away because she had updated her costume. And so I wanted to go and talk to her and learn about uh, her new 
her new suit and uh, what she's been up to. Uh, so I have a little bit of an interview with Marin. So let's uh, let's catch up with Marin and uh, see what she has to say. So I saw you back in 2019, the last time they had Superman celebration. Now you have an upgraded suit. And so I was wondering if you could guide me through the process of how, because I know you were working on upgrading your skirt. Yeah. So now you've gotten the whole, the pants. So, so what was that process? Like pants, yeah. What was that process like? Well, I, when I saw that she was going to have pants, I was like, I have to do it. I have to, I've been cosplaying her version of Supergirl since the beginning. I have to evolve with her. So I kind of started doing research and do I want to try and make it myself? Do I want to outsource? And I found this incredible company called In Disguise Designs. I know them. I follow them on Instagram. Yes, they're, ama- they're amazing. Facebook, yes, they're incredible. And uh, I reached out, and this is custom-made for me. Uh, all my measurements and, and everything, they uh, uh, custom print each fabric. Um, there are several different kinds all over me. And um, I'm, I was just blown away when I, I got it in the mail, and I was just blown away. Do they give you, like, updates on things, or do you just get it one day in the mail, and you're like, oh, my suit's here. Like, how does that work? Uh, they were very hands-on, very uh, communicative. We stayed in touch through email and, and texting, and basically it was... You're, we're we're 3D printing the the S today. We're we're doing the the cape details today, um, and uh, we we just printed the fabric and uh, we're we're working on a, a way to connect the cape to the. So it's it's really cool, and it, the the way the cape connects is really cool. So does it feel more secure? because I know I know that's always the problem with super suits is how to attach. Because there a lot of people do it different ways. They'll do it on the collar. They'll do it further back. The ingenuity of this is is incredible. It's uh, attached to a harness that goes around my chest, so it doesn't pull on the the suit itself. And uh, so Supergirl is ending this season with season six. So uh, what have, have you been caught up on the show? so far yeah yeah okay so I was curious about what your thoughts are on season six and what you what do you hope how do you hope it ends oh man I I'm I I'm the kind of person that wants every a big bow around everything you know I I don't love the cliffhangers I don't love if it's the end I don't love the cliffhangers I I like everything to be neat and tidy I'd love for Carter to find love I mean, I'm I'm a romantic. I'd love for that to happen. Now this is out of the Phantom Zone. I know there's going to be a lot of uh, recovery from that, so I hope that goes well. Yeah, but I, honestly, I, I don't have any specifics. I just wish. I just hope that it's it's nice and neat and and everybody's happy. I want everybody to be happy. And what do you think the legacy of the show is going to be? Because obviously you took inspiration from it and and I talk to people all the time who say my first Supergirl is Melissa Benoist. So so what do you what do you think the show might leave as a legacy even after it ends? Just the the I mean the empowerment of it all. Just no matter who you are the and the hope that she that she uh, radiates 
I think that's a really important message, and I think that's the kind of message that lasts the test of time. Marin is such a good ambassador for the character of Supergirl. Uh, both times that I have interviewed her at Superman Celebration, it's so funny. I don't know if the kids like see somebody with a camera and a microphone and uh, think that get, that gives legitimacy to, to Supergirl there, uh, but every time I've interviewed her, uh, kids will come up to her and say, "Hey, Supergirl, can I get my picture made with you?" And it's like the cutest thing. It's so it's it's so adorable that it's happened uh, twice to me. So she is such a good ambassador for the character. She talks to them, explains her suit. Uh, 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 one one little kid asked a lot of you know little kid questions about you know can you fly you know those kinds of things and she does such a good yeah. job responding the, to them and and talking to them as if she is Supergirl which uh, is a true cosplayer and I know it's very difficult to do sometimes um, and I was not aware of the, the the cape thing I don't know if that's the way Melissa's I, suit works have you ever heard anything I, about that. I don't know. I, I know there have been some set pictures recently because there was kind of like, you know, this might be the last time that she puts on the cape. Like I've seen her walking around on, on set without the cape, but I don't know if I've ever seen like, I've never really looked for good photos to see how that, that like actually hooks in. But apparently this seems like a common structural issue that they have to solve if she's talking about how they do this, this harness and everything. Um, clearly a lot of thought put into this that I've never thought about. I don't cosplay. I, <laughs> I feel like this is a, clearly like a, a big commitment. Like you said, she was, you know, being a good ambassador. These kids were coming up to her. It was hot. It was so day. hot. I was disgusting. I was like in a t-shirt and I was like drenched. I can't imagine like the dedication of these people walking around in these, these suits. I don't know if that's a breathable fabric. I can't imagine that it is. Um, yeah, I mean everybody who was who was there and who was dressed up and was was doing these. I mean, this was all for the crowd, right? I mean, like, yeah, some of it was kind of cheesy, whatever, but everybody was so into it. My sister made that comment. She was like, "It was just so nice to see how into everything everybody was. There wasn't like people like sneering or being judgmental. It's just like everybody was genuinely excited to be there, and they're just like, that's awesome." Um, so yeah, like I noticed her, I think she was right by the car when we parked and I was like, Supergirl pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was awesome because she had the skirt back in 2019, but she, she upgraded uh, to the pants from season five and season six. So I was glad she was able to do that. And in, dis in disguise designs does such a good job. Follow them on Instagram, Facebook, follow Marin. She's on Twitter. Um, so uh, all those links are in the video description. It will be in the show notes uh, for the audio version of the podcast. So definitely go go give all those people follow because they do really great work. So hope to see Marin again and, and see catch up with her and see what she thinks about how the show ended. Uh, hopefully uh, she she gets her nice tidy little bow there at the end. Uh, I, I guess we all kind of <laughs> want that to be the case. Uh, yeah. So it was it was nice to see her again. It was nice to see that. Uh, just like in 2019, she was a magnet for the children. So that was so cute. So I enjoyed uh, getting to talk to her again and catch up with her. Um, I also uh, went uh, shopping on Friday and uh, bought a lot of stuff and spent a lot of money. And I'm very embarrassed about it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but I did find something that I thought was really cool. Um, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let Pastor Rebecca uh, explain to you my find in one of the, uh, the vendor areas. I also went by this uh, this vendor who had a lot of really old things. I thought that was cool. So I asked him if he had any Supergirl stuff, and he pointed me to this book, and I've never seen this ever. 
Uh, I didn't know this existed. And it's actually a choose-your-own-adventure book from 1984. You can tell it's Crisis on Infinite Earths. So, uh, and I actually uh, looked on the back. It says uh, trademark 1984. So this must have come out in 1984. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a choose-your-own-adventure book. So I'm going to have to look through this. Um, it was probably a little more than I wanted to pay for it. Let's just be honest. Um, but uh, it says, you are the master of Supergirl's fate, which is... Uh, pretty ironic since her fate in 1984 was to die. Uh, so this is very interesting. It looks like maybe there's Brainiac in here. Some Mixtus Pitalix on there. There's Knights down there. So I don't, I don't know what's going on in this book. <laughs> we'll have to figure out uh, what's happening here. It's a, it's a Witch Way book. I don't know if there's, um, this is number two. I don't know if there's other characters in the series. So that's really interesting. Uh, so yeah, the uh, the back of it says she's Supergirl, Superman's courageous cousin, and now you can help the Girl of Steel battle strange and evil forces from the darkest corners of the universe. You can you make the life or death decisions that guide her through amazing adventures, but if you lead her into danger, don't give up. So that's uh that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, it says uh, you can send her to rescue Superman from the evil computer Brainiac or fight the deadly dragons of King Arthur's England. <gasps> Or battle the Wicked Witch of the West from the Land of Oz. Because on the TV show, Supergirl's favorite film is The Wizard of Oz. That's really cool. I love King uh, Arthurian legend, so I'm going to be into this. And there's dragons in this. Come on. So uh, so this is pretty cool. I've never seen this before. It's a choose-your-own-adventure book. I I posted something about the choose-your-own-adventure Supergirl book on Facebook, and Morgan responded in a comment and said, that should be a future Supergirl radio episode. I was like, I know, that's what I was thinking. So maybe sometime down the road, we will choose our own adventure with uh, that Supergirl book and see uh, where we send her. I don't know how we'll do that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if we'll make that decision or we'll leave it up to the the live chat. Uh, but that seems like a really fun uh, future episode of Supergirl Radio. So we'll keep that in mind. So that that was a, I thought that was one of my best finds of uh, Superman Celebration. So I was I was glad they had that. So I'm glad to know that that existed back in 1984. Uh, in 1984, a big year for Supergirl. She, she had her first live action film and uh, then they killed her off in the comics. So it was a very uh, a very up and down year for <laughs> and then die. Yeah. So. So that was uh, that was tough for uh, Supergirl. Um, okay, well, uh, one other thing that we did on Saturday, and Dr. Nicole Green came with me because uh, I thought this might be sort of sciencey that she might enjoy. Uh, we did uh, go to a presentation, uh, a Lego engineering uh, presentation, trying to figure out uh, what this was about. Uh, this was a uh, a man that we will meet, uh, Nick. Uh, Mastromico, Nicholas Mastromico. Uh, he works for NASA. And uh, so uh, he uh, is interested in Legos and he's been building Legos. So uh, I took a few minutes to, to ask him about uh, some of the things that he talked about in his presentation. And uh, Dr. Nicole, if you have any thoughts about uh, the Legos, uh, we'll talk about those as well. Uh, but uh, let's hear from Nick and uh, see what he has to say. I am a structural engineer down at Marshall Space Flight Center. And uh, we work on the uh, modeling and prediction engineering of the uh, SLS rocket, the new Artemis One rocket. And we uh, we build things in three dimensions uh, and then test the actual rocket to see if our predictions 
are uh, accurate and then we change our models based off the real life testing so that we can predict what the rocket can do, what should do, and uh, keep everyone safe with the rocket as it flies. What got you into Legos? I've always been, uh, my dad and I always built models and everything as a kid. Um, we would build you know, Star Trek models or whatever they had over at a Boardman Hobby Shop back in Ohio. And um, we were really, we always enjoyed the building process and the, the putting it together, but we were terrible at painting. So we usually threw them out because they, they never, the paint never came out right. But Lego was always fun because you didn't have to paint it. And it's just, uh, back when I was a kid, you didn't buy like sets like they had now. You just bought a ton of Lego bricks and you could build anything you want. So I always enjoyed that imagination part of the building of Legos. And then now as an adult, I just keep trying to, they have a lot different Lego bricks. They're not all squares and rectangles. And it allows me to just be imaginative to, you know, at first I wanted to build the rocket I'm working on. And I had to find all the pieces to make it look like the SLS rocket. And then from there, I just continued on building Superman related items, Alabama related items. And it's just, it's fun. It's fun to do. And since you can do it digitally, you can, um, do it for free and then if you really want to build it in real life then you just buy the parts and have fun building and how long did it take you to do uh both the superman statue and the super museum what was the process like for that the, those took a while uh the superman the shields uh from the superman statue that took about um i would say two to three months to design digitally and about a month to build actually um Thankfully, because it all came together real nice. You never know when you design it digitally, when you get the parts, you actually build it up. Uh, the museum took about three to four months to digitally design because of all the little nuances and uh, figuring out the scale. And then it took about two, maybe two or three months to build, actually, because it's actually a lot of parts. It's it's like five to 6,000 parts or something like that. It, it's a lot of parts because they're really small parts to make the the little features of the of the super museum so what do you think about superman celebration i love the city of metropolis because it is the it's that really lovely americana town that you could come to any time of the year it's full of great people here from the, everyone at the super museum to sissy's a sweet shop to six and vintage all these great businesses here and they are the most welcoming people you can meet and then you can get to see this great statue of superman and then the celebration brings people from all over the country to come in here and uh support this great town and you know you get to take pictures of superman and he's a cool guy <laughs> and you know there's a lot of great things with it and because you, you see all these people that love this character and for the right reasons of loving that character. So they come into this town and it's just a great event. Uh, every year, I've, I've, I try to make it every year here, and I've been trying more and more to bring uh, a, a focus of NASA here uh, because there isn't a NASA site very close to Metropolis. So when you bring you come to a city that doesn't have a big presence of NASA, people take notice of it, and it's great to, to expand the knowledge of what we're working on. In my presentation today, I talked a bit about the Artemis rocket flying in December or January. A lot of people might not have known of that, but now they do. And in December, they're going to like, hey, well, that's that rocket he was talking about. And it's it's really important for us to get people to know, hey, because it's not our rocket. It's every it's America's rocket. This is the U.S.'s rocket that's going to the moon. It's going to take the, first, the next man and the first woman to the moon in the next few years. And uh, we've been working on it for 10 years, and we can't wait to show it off. So it, it's a great time here, and um, also Metropolis, something really cool space-wise, in, in 
about three years, Metropolis is going to be uh, a focal point of the next solar eclipse. Uh, a number of years ago, I think it was three or four years ago, there was a solar eclipse and Metropolis was one of the areas that had uh, about two or three minutes of the totality of the eclipse. Uh, and it went north, um, say northwest to the uh, southeast over the U.S. Well, the next eclipse that's going to happen in 2024, it's going southwest to northeast. And it actually, those two are crossing on Metropolis and Carbondale. So it'll be another two, three minutes of totality here, which is an amazing solar event. I came here last time, and if you've never been to a totality of a solar eclipse, you don't know what it's like. It's I had no idea it was going to be so cool. So I'm going to be trying to bring uh, a presence of NASA here for that as well. And uh, Nicole, were you telling me that you had experienced a, a totality with the eclipse? Yeah, we had um, it where I, this is when I was in graduate school still at K-State. I think we were in like the 95% totality zone, like on campus. Um, but you could drive, like I had a lot of friends who who drove north, I think it was, that you had to get in the complete totality, which is apparently even like an even more um, like unique experience than what we witnessed. But it was, I mean, we all had on campus like these glasses they handed out. And yeah, it just was like complete night um, uh, just on campus. You know, this is like, it was at like 12 or something. It was like midday. Um, so yeah, that's. I remember seeing this, like if you look at the, there was a lot of presentations, as you can imagine, on, on the college campuses where this this happened as well. Um, I like that he's using his platform and using his his um, interest in Legos, like you said, to bring the presence of these unique scientific organizations um, into an area that is primarily agricultural. So there's a lot of really interesting agricultural science going on. But, um, you know, some of these others, we, we don't get exposed to that as kids growing up. So that's, that's cool. And I know the kids really liked, um, he, the kids were a fan of him when he finished his presentation. But, but yeah, the, the totality is wild. There are apparently people who travel in and like will go no matter where it is, like they'll go to South America, wherever to like, they'll go out and they, there's like cruises because sometimes these junctions fall in the middle of the ocean. So, oh, wow. The the fact that within a couple of years they're in the same region getting two is is very unique. I don't know if it's ever happened anywhere else. Um, so yeah, another reason to come visit Southern Illinois, I guess. Yeah, it's <laughs> another reason to go to Metropolis. Uh, so that was really cool. It was neat to hear about his experience and uh, how he uses you know scientific outreach uh, to you know talk about science with people who who may not have access to that kind of information. Uh, so it was really neat to hear his Lego experience. He actually also talked to, uh, I'm a University of Alabama graduate, uh, Real Tide. So uh, it was neat that he also talked not about just super stuff, but he also uh, recently um, had a University of Alabama football helmet that he made for Coach Nick Saban of the uh, Alabama football team. And it's actually in uh, Coach Saban's office now. So, <laughs> so that's pretty cool. I'll probably never get invited to Coach Saban's office. Uh, and uh, maybe I don't want to go there. Maybe he would be mad at me for some reason. Uh, but uh, but uh, that's really cool that he's got something in uh, Coach Saban, uh, his office, because he is the the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Let's just be honest. He's the greatest uh, college football coach of all time. Uh, so, so that was cool for me personally that uh, to also hear that he had done some stuff for the University of Alabama. Um, so that was really neat. And 
Nicole had been uh, wanting to ask him a question. And so I hope, Dr. Nicole Green, that I asked this question correctly and that it's a sufficient answer to your question. Um, so I we, we were sort of talking about structural damage uh, to things in the Supergirl universe because Supergirl sometimes breaks through buildings and uh, sometimes things get damaged. Uh, so I asked him about that and uh, here is his response. We talk about Supergirl a lot, uh, the CW Supergirl um, with starring Melissa Benoist. And a lot of times there will be structural damage to buildings uh, based on Supergirl or some other uh, evil villain who has destroyed a a building. Would you be the person to call if uh, someone said, hey, Supergirl has busted down a building. Can you come help us out? What what kind of engineer is uh, required for that? In in those situations, you probably want an architect um, because those are the ones who know the uh, structural... The, 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 the good thing to know about build, uh, anything as an engineer is to sort of know the item you're trying to work on. I work on the SLS rocket, and our goal is to know what that rocket can do, what it can take, what it can, um, how it could fly, what kind of trajectory it can have, and to know that rocket better than it knows itself. Uh, say if Supergirl broke a building, an architect who knows that building would be the one to call because then they know, okay, this side of it was destroyed. Well, none of those load-bearing walls are there. Or no, this side, those are all the load-bearing walls. Get out of that building. So every engineer who's on a project needs to know their item better than the item knows itself. And then you could predict what it can do or not do. Of course, you want people out of the building anyways, probably, <laughs> if Doomsday is going to knock it over. But um, that those are the people to call, the ones who really know the actual um, thing they're working on. I'm glad, uh, even though Morgan Glennon is not here with us for this episode of Supergirl Radio, we got some National City Real Estate uh, yes. conversation in here. So I hope that was the the, the question you were sort sort of wanting an answer to. Was that was that sort of yes. similar to your yeah. question? Yeah. So what I'm hearing is the so I think the the specific uh, situation that I was thinking of when we were talking. I think I mentioned it, L Corp. I think I can't remember exactly what happens, but they take out uh, apparently a load bearing pillar in in the the underground structure and then supergirl goes in and you know like helps to weld it back together um but there are just like cracks riddled throughout the exterior of the building and so that's always my question because i know that i know that building and the way they build like the materials they have nowadays are remarkable and you can actually sustain quite a bit of damage without losing the structure um but i just want to know is it realistic like (laughs) what we're seeing on tv and it sounds like we would need like the L Corp architects uh, and the blueprints to to identify those load bearing uh, walls and, and uh, structures, which it sounds like probably the people targeting that building would also be looking for those same things to, to try to hit those <laughs> hit those uh, structures. If we have an architect who is a listener of Supergirl Radio, uh, email me at uh, supergirlradio at gmail.com and uh, we'll see if we can uh, get some questions, uh, uh, further questions answered. Uh, it seems like we will need a Supergirl Radio uh, architectural uh, uh, or yeah, yeah, I guess architect, architect, uh, architectural consultant. I guess maybe would be the title. Maybe we'll, we'll work, workshop that a little bit. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll need somebody. If uh, if you work in architecture, if you know anybody, let us know. We have lots of questions <laughs> to ask. Um, so he he was a really uh, interesting guy. So uh, if you ever go into the super museum, you will be able to see his um, super museum that he made out of Legos. It's uh, there in the gift shop, uh, and it does have a lot of 
parts to it. And it looks exactly like the actual Super Museum building. Uh, so he did a great job with that. Uh, I, I wasn't able to see his uh, S-Shield, the um, Superman statue with the, the S-Shield um, uh, thing that it the statue sits on, because uh, I don't think he had that in the museum. But you can see the Lego version of the Super Museum in the Super Museum gift shop. So go check it out. Don't miss it while you are there. All right. So one of the things that uh, Dr. Nicole Green, her family and uh, no, the workmen's were not there. So it was just uh, the four of us went to this event. So they did have a super dog contest also requested by Morgan Clinton. Uh, She was very interested in the super dog contest, wanted some reports back from there. Uh, So uh, I'm going to I'm going to play a clip that will uh, introduce you to the dogs of the contest and, uh, and let us know who your favorite dog was. Uh, Nicole and I will uh, tell, uh, you know, uh, uh, describe who, who we were kind of cheering for. Uh, but let us know in the live chat who your favorite dog in the super dog contest were, because a lot of variations uh, in the contestants. Uh, so let's, let's meet the super dogs of the Superman celebration uh, super dog contest. Okay, our categories this year, these are the things you'll be listening for and the judges will be looking for. We have the super dog outstanding costume award for the best dressed dog, thank you. Best dressed if your dog happens to be wearing a costume. We have a wee whooper tiny titan award for the smallest but mightiest little dog. We have Wonder Woofer for the best barker, if you can get your pooch to bark. We have the best super trick, if your dog can do any tricks. Mild-mannered pooch for the super chill, relaxed dog. Those are my favorites. They're the easiest to, to skin. <laughs> we have the Fido Flash Award for the fastest puppy dog. The Dynamic Duo Award for the best pairing of a human and their puppy dog. The Jimmy Olsen Nose for News Award for the dog with the biggest nose. And the Hercules Award for the biggest dog. So this was, tell me your dog's name one more time. Hercules. Hercules. Molly. Molly. Clyde. This is Clyde. Roscoe. This was Roscoe. And this is Buttercup. Buttercup. I didn't set that clip up properly uh, for the audio listeners. Uh, the MC of that event was Cruella DeVille. So when she talks about uh, the easiest dog to skin, uh, she's she's saying that because she's she's evil and she messes with dogs. Uh, so, so I thought that was in bad taste to have Cruella DeVille. Yeah. Uh, as the host, uh, but that's uh, the way they went with that. So, Nicole, who was your favorite dog in the uh, Super Dog Contest? So, I really liked Molly, which was the tiny, tiny little dog, and it was cracking me up because she just, like, I don't think we got this, but at the end, like, when they were standing there waiting for photos, she was just, like, sitting on her owner's chest. Like, she just lived there. Um, (laughs) So, I liked Molly. I also, I told you this there, I was a big fan of Roscoe, the little, like, what is that? A rot like it was like a Rottweiler mix of some kind. Because we used to have a dog named Roscoe, and sadly he did not. He got ran over, but he was a very good boy. So I was like, I was like, this is Roscoe 2.0 right here. So it was fun to get to see him. He was like, I think they said he's like 10 weeks. So he was a puppy, but very big for 10 weeks. That's gonna be a big dog. 
Yeah, he was re- he was really cute, and uh, he w- he was guided on stage by uh, two youngsters, uh, so yep. they did a good job uh, handling uh, Roscoe there. Um, I really liked Buttercup. I like yep. the name. I like the look. Uh, <laughs> I think it was a Pomeranian. Uh, those dogs are just kind of funny looking, and I I like funny looking dogs. So <laughs> I was I was cheering for a Buttercup myself. But all the dogs were really cute and 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 great. Uh, Donna says she loves Hercules and Molly. Uh, Chase says Hercules was my favorite. Looks like Tiana's saying Roscoe. So we've got a a, a variety in the live chat for. Uh, fans of these super dogs. Um, they did have the categories and everybody was sort of represented in all the categories, but really one dog kind of swept the competition, I think. And uh, Hercules came away uh, as kind of the, the super dog of Superman celebration uh, 2021. So congrats to Hercules. Hercules really uh, showed showed up and showed out at the super dog contest. So Hercules, a big winner there. Uh, but all the dogs were really fun and uh, they uh, were very entertaining to watch. And it made me uh, maybe, maybe wish I had a dog uh, just because it seemed like a lot of fun, but I guess they're also a lot of work, but uh, (laughs) the dogs were great. And uh, the last kind of uh, recap video that I have for us here is uh, since uh, Lynn and Nikki Workman hung out with us on Saturday and they've been to Superman celebration for many years uh, and they couldn't be with us on the live stream. I sat down with them and and just asked them a couple of questions so they could uh, share their perspective on the event and tell us a little bit about the history of Superman celebration and why they like it. Uh, So let's uh, hear from the workmans. Y'all have come to Superman celebration a lot. Has it changed since you started coming here? When we first came here, it was basically just like, like a strawberry town festival with capes you know you know we'd see a few families here and there there was a few vendors um you know that had the celebrities uh in the chamber of commerce and they had a couple of artists here and there but they were usually like either at the local bank or they were like at you know under the, the main tent something like that and then i guess it's 2005 um steve stanley had gotten gotten me an invite and we decided to do the uh, artist alley uh, for the first year at the old um, was that the uh, the community center. community center, which which is now the um, chamber of commerce. Uh, it was Dippin' Dots, but it's now chamber of commerce. And then we started doing like after after hours parties, and um, they started adding more and more to the programming. And then um, a little while later, they decided because like Sundays were just like dead. You know, it's like after five o'clock. On Fridays and Saturdays, the streets kind of rolled up, and on Sundays, it was it was pretty dead. And uh, Lisa and Carla, with the chamber, they decided to move the costume contest to Sunday, and that gave people a reason to stay an extra day. And it also opened up a lot of time on Saturdays for other programming and stuff that they were adding. Because if if you look at their schedule, it's it's bananas. You know, it just it kept growing and kept growing. And uh, I remember the first year or two that we came here for celebrities, you could just walk right in. You know, yes, now there, that there was no ticketing or VIP this or, or that waiting it was, line or yeah, I mean like you that. just walked in and mm-hmm. can I get you to sign this? Yeah, yeah. And one of the cool things that I always liked about Metropolis, and it was, it was something that they kind of worked in with the celebrities, was that you got at least one item free, you know, signed. You know, so like if you had the newspaper like that, you could get this signed by everybody. 
They had programs, the you posters, can, the posters and stuff like that. Uh, so you always got at least one item, you know, free. So it was, it was, it was kind of, it was very family friendly, and it was most everything here was free. There was barely anything you had to pay for. Uh, so for families, um, especially with a lot of kids, it was a great experience. Just you know, a weekend trip. You know, you pay for the hotel or do like we do. What we did today it was just a day trip for us. What do you think is special about Superman Celebration? Because it's basically kind of like a little small town fair. What do you think makes it special? Why do you like to continue to come here year after year? I like corn dogs a lot. <laughs> it's a small town, and if you've lived in a small town or you know, have been to small towns, you know, it's got that kind of small town vibe because Metropolis is definitely more like Smallville than it is Metropolis. It's a family like festival it's a it's there's a carnival there's celebrities there's comic you know creators there's costumes there's street food you know vendors there's all kinds of collectibles it's just a little bit more of a laid-back vibe than your normal con i mean we've done a lot of cons over the years i've sat behind a lot of tables but in artist alleys over the years with him um and it it's this just isn't even the years that he set up here just wasn't as stressful it's just more more laid back, more easygoing, and you come up here every year. You start know getting to know folks, and you see them every year. You go dinner with them, and so it kind of become extended family. Yeah, and it's yeah, <laughs> the other thing too is it's it's kind of a good thing, bad thing. Like today, we came up here just to do a day trip, but trying to get from one end of the street to the other, you run into so many people that you know, and you want to stop and say hey, because you know most of them we haven't seen in over two years, you know, and. So it's like, even if it's just, you know, a minute, five minutes, just, hey, how are you doing? And you catch up, you know, that's it's it's just great to see everybody again. Yeah. So one of the big treats for me with this Superman celebration is, yeah, there were some celebrities there. But I personally found the the bigger celebrity draw were the Supergirl radio folks that I got to meet. I got to hang out with Nicole. I got to hang out with Lynn and Nikki Workman. So that was a big treat for me in uh, 2021 was uh, the, the getting to hang out with the real celebrities of Superman Celebration. <laughs> so it was nice to hear, uh, you know, Lynn and Nikki's uh, perspective uh, from having you know, attended Superman celebration for so long and, and seeing how it changed. And, uh, so I've, I've sort of, even, even my two years, I've found people that I, I recognize and remember, and, uh, hopefully we'll, you know, make friends for, for, from now on. So I, I think that's a really, uh, cool way to look at Superman celebration. So, uh, uh, Nicole, what was, what was your big takeaway from attending Superman celebration? Uh, yeah, I, I guess like it seems like this is something that it would be good to invest in to keep going back in because you do build those relationships. And for for me, um, I, I pretty much my my knowledge of Supergirl, um, I don't really I haven't watched too much of the Superman, uh, but back all the backlog of, of that content. Um, but as like, you know, as I've started to, to listen to like this podcast, for example, and learn more about like the comic backstory, I downloaded comiXology to, to nice. the, the new the new run of Supergirl um but it was it was cool to to have all these people who had this knowledge that were really excited to talk about it to be able to go to like the super museum and start to get it was a I think it was a nice way to start to dig deeper and to think about you know if you really want to know more about kind of the whole universe that these characters exist in this is a nice like like I said, kind of like an easy environment to do that. It wasn't terribly overwhelming. Um, and you can meet these people who who are going to sit down and talk with you and, and tell you about sort of the history of their experience and point you where to go and, 
and, uh, you know, really take the time to, to help you out and help you learn. Cause like I said, they're just, they're just really excited. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, if uh, if you want to learn more about Superman and Supergirl, there's there's a lot of stuff out there. So I think what Superman Celebration does a good job of is it embraces all iterations of the characters. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes I go to Dragon Con, for example, and oh, everybody there just hates Zack Snyder's films, and oh, <laughs> they just don't like Man of Steel. It's the worst movie in the world, and Batman v Superman is even worse. Everybody hates it, but. At Superman Celebration, I feel like I can go into this, you know, small town with my love of those films and feel like I'm included. It's not shunned. You're not talked down to because you might like a certain version of Superman, maybe more than others. But all versions of Superman, all versions of Supergirl are celebrated there. And I think that's why it's very fitting that it's called Superman Celebration, because it does feel like it's a way to celebrate these things that matter so much to so many people and have inspired so many people over the years. So that's, that's such a great way to look at it is that it's a, it's a good entry point, but it also continues to give you things to, even if you're a very skilled and knowledgeable fan, uh, it still gives you something to learn and take away with and, and uh, be able to uh, dive into that specific uh, thing that you love. Cause you know, convention, San Diego, comic con, dragon con, that's, that's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of fandoms represented there, but Superman celebration is just super stuff. And uh, so that's really, really fun. Um, uh, we do have a question really quick before we wrap up our Superman celebration discussion. Uh, Shelly asks, uh, what was the comic book creator contributor? That's a weird word when I read it. Contributor scene like at Superman celebration. So they do have an artist alley, which for some reason didn't have the AC on in that building, uh, which oh my was very <laughs> confusing. It was indoors. Uh, but uh those, those poor people. I don't know how they they made it out, but yeah. uh, it uh, it was very hot even even indoors there. They must have had a problem with the AC unit. Uh, but they were all together. Um, there was a Supergirl artist there. I sort of briefly got to talk with him. I think his last name was Garza. And I need to go back up and, and make sure that I refresh my mind on the stuff that he contributed. I think he did the Ian Churchill run, uh, which I'm not as familiar. This not really one I go back to that well too very often. Uh, but he was there. Steve Walden was there. I had met him previously. He actually recognized me. I went up to his table to look at some Wonder Woman 84 stuff that he, I wonder, well, I don't know if it was 84 specifically. It was a Wonder Woman 3D painting. He does a lot of 3D paintings. And uh, I was asking him about that. And and he said something like, are you the one with the podcast? And I was like, yes, I interviewed you back in 2019. So he had remembered me. Um, but he's he's his work is so amazing. Uh, so he was there and uh, there were some folks that uh, Lynn and Nikki uh, knew there. But but they've had they've had, you know, pretty famous uh, people there before. Uh, Lynn and Nikki were telling us about uh, they had hung out with John Ostrander. Uh, I think Jimmy Palmiotti. Uh, pa- Am I saying that? That sounds weird when I'm saying it. Uh, But he was there. Amanda Connor was there. Uh, So they do sometimes have some really big uh, comic book names that do show up to Superman Celebration. So uh, definitely if you go there, check out the Artist Alley and just uh, see what they have because they might have some cool stuff down there. So definitely recommend that. 
All right. Well, I think, Nicole, before we uh, we wrap up this episode of Supergirl Radio, we need to make some snap judgments. I feel like that yeah. still needs to happen. So let's, uh, let's make some snap judgments uh, after this intro. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. All right, Nicole, we have a couple of them. These might be difficult, but y- you got to pick one. It's the, it's the name of the game. Okay, so the All first right. snap judgment. And everybody, if you're in the live chat, you can play along as well. So the first one is uh, playing chess against Lena Luthor or being part of a human chess game against DC Comics villains. Which would you rather play? Oh, no brainer. I want to sit and hang out with Lena Luthor. She can beat me <laughs> as many times with as few moves as she would like. I just, I think that would be a great time. We're going to drink some scotch and she's just going to show me how intelligent she is. That sounds like a perfect evening. And that could last a long time. So you might get some good quality time with Lena because you never know how long that get, that match is going to go. Well, uh, so- I have no idea how to play chess. So I, I feel like I'm not going to be good at that game, but um, you know. Well, if you could we'll get see. anybody to teach you, I think Lena would probably be the one to ask because uh, apparently yes. she beats Lex at chess. So she would be the person to get uh, uh, to get to teach you how to play chess. Uh, I kind of like the idea of the human chess game. Uh, I, I I think, though, it might be dangerous uh, if you actually yes. were in a human chess match with actual DC Comics villains, <laughs> not like cosplayers, but like the real deal. Uh, that might be a little scary. I'd be kind of curious about it, but I think the safe bet, if you want to live through it, (laughs) would probably be, uh, playing chess, uh, with Lena Luthor. So I'm going with that one as well. All right. So the next one, uh, would you rather drink kryptonite or attend the Kryptonian glow dance? Uh, which one would you rather uh, participate in? I feel like these go hand in hand. Uh, (laughs) that's true. I feel like the glow dance would have been much more hopping had they had uh, had kryptonite there. It's not um, a bad idea, actually. I don't know. I feel like I feel like if it was a really big occasion, like if the the Kryptonian glow dance was like a big thing, that would be really fun to go to if there was like a lot of participation. Uh, but I would say drinking drinking the kryptonite, like a chill chill vibe um you know just hanging out with people that's that's probably what i would ultimately go with this this time around in 2021 versus 2019 i enjoyed the kryptonite drink so much more so i think i would give kryptonite another shot so i think i'm gonna pick uh drinking kryptonite um okay so this is this is gonna be a real real thinker Mm -hmm. so you can really have to think about this one would you rather speak to the ghost of george reeves or the ghost of christopher reeve if you could, if you could talk to one of their spirits, uh, I think we've one, decided. <laughs> I think I've established that I'm not into talking to ghosts. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but if you had to, if I had to, I think I. Mm, the The first part of me says I want to. Uh, I want that murder mystery vibe of like you get to solve. It's like a little true crime that I think everybody has in them. Everybody enjoys like a true crime moment. Um, but then I'm worried, like, is he going to be more, is he like a bit of a violent spirit because he was taken mm. too soon? I don't mm. know. Um, but I think because this is hypothetical and I will never actually do it, I'm definitely going <laughs> to go with George Reese. <laughs> George yeah. Reese goes. 
Yeah, it was funny. I, 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 after the the paranormal thing had ended, I knew Nicole was still driving somewhere, so I didn't feel like it was maybe too uh, uh, bad to send her a text message kind of late at night. So if it was uh, too late for you, I apologize. But I was like, oh, no. you're ne- you're never gonna believe this. These people like talk to these ghosts. It's crazy. And so Nicole wrote me the the funniest text message back. She was like, you could do snap judgments with them. <laughs> uh, so so I would probably maybe uh, do a little game of snap judgments with George Reeves because I know a lot about Christopher Reeve, but I don't know a ton about George Reeves. So I think I would probably uh, use snap judgments as a way to learn more about his life. And I think that the ghost box would actually be good for snap judgments because you really only need the 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 short answer. Like you don't need a lot of sentences. And it seems like the ghost box, mm-hmm. you know, you get a yes or a no or maybe a name. Uh, so I think uh, I think that would be a good format for snap judgments. Actually, yeah. actually. Uh, so maybe maybe I'll do a snap judgments with uh, George Reeves ghost. All right. So now we have our final one is from Mark. Uh, he sent us in a snap judgment that the, he sent in one part of it. So I tried to uh, add an additional part to it. Uh, to see if we could make this into a snap judgment. So, uh, it, and Nicole, are you are you familiar with Garbage Man from the uh, the the new trailer that recently came oh, out? Yes. Yes. Okay. I am. So, so everybody in the chat, if you're not familiar with Garbage Man, there is a uh, a, a recently uh, released Supergirl trailer for the return of season six. It features uh, a trash monster that we have named Garbage Man because. Uh, we don't know his name. Uh, so so uh, we we named him Garbage Man, who is actually a DC Comics character. So it's probably not who that is, but we're going to call him Garbage Man from now for now. So that's all the setup that you need for uh, th- this. Uh, well, I guess we should also maybe clarify. Maybe this needs to be set up as well. Uh, Nicole works with uh, Fruit Flies. So uh, so uh, so that is a part of the snap judgment as well. So the snap judgment is. Would you rather see a full story arc with Garbage Man or Nixley conjuring up a Japanese monster-sized fruit fly, a fruit fly that imperils the world and Kara has to punch it into oblivion? So, Dr. Nicole Green, who works with fr- fruit flies, uh, what is your choice here? I'm going to go with the second one. I appreciate that Mark was thinking about me um, and, and my science. Um, and I specifically want the uh dc like lego or yeah i don't know dc the like the fly i posted this on twitter um i want the lego version so i want it to feel very like dc legends and chaotic and weird like and maybe let's get bebo in there too why not um yeah that's what i want a chaotic weird finale so you're going japanese monster size fruit fly yes I think I will also, as much as I have become fond of Garbage Man, I think uh, a Japanese monster-sized fruit fly is a uh, good way to end the show. So I think, uh, I you know, why not? Why not? And and to see Supergirl punch it into oblivion, I think that would be a really powerful moment uh, to, to, to see that fruit fly really get what's coming to him. Uh, so I, see, I think we're going to go with that. And uh, those are all the snap judgments. Uh, so we'll we'll get out of here and we'll uh, come back and wrap up the episode. No judgments on your snap judgments. 
right, that is going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio and our recap of Superman Celebration 2021. Hopefully, if you watched or listened to this, you sort of felt like you went with us because uh, that was uh, the idea. So, uh, Dr. Nicole Green, uh, where can people uh, keep up with you on the Internet if they want to follow uh, uh, your research and uh, what you're up to with Supergirl? Yeah, if you want to see me, I guess I'm probably most active on Twitter. I have an Instagram for science. Um at, at DrosophilaDesci on both. Uh, but frankly, my phone is too old. I need a new one. So I don't have enough space for Instagram right now. So I haven't posted anything on there in a while. So probably mostly at Twitter. Um, that's Twitter is normally where I do anything where I'm talking about like Supergirl. Um, it's a good mix of me talking about the problems of academia uh, with some some fun pictures of my science, uh, occasionally some some pictures of the fruit flies themselves. Uh, and, and then, yeah, like trying to, try to blend that all together. You know, I, I love those science accounts where they're like, this is me being a person and all my interests, but also <laughs> here's, here's some cool science every now and then. So yeah, you can, uh, follow me on there. And if anybody on here is especially like a young scientist and you have questions, uh, it's really confusing <laughs> to figure out what you're supposed to be doing. So I'm always happy to, to answer questions about how to go to grad school, if you should go to grad school, um, what what are your options out there? Or if you're just curious, you can ask me, because um, I think it's fun to talk about the experience of being a scientist. That's awesome. Well, give Nicole a follow. And I, I really appreciate your time that you've spent with me today. I know we went a, a little longer than maybe we normally would do, uh, but but we had so much to cover. We had, we had a whole uh, weekend of events that we had to... Uh, uh, let people know about. So I really appreciate your time, honestly. And uh, thank you for uh, being with me on the live stream, but also for hanging out with me. It was it was yeah. hot and we were all uh, a little bit maybe uh, miserable physically, but I think we were all having a good time. Uh, so I really appreciate that uh, you hung out with me on Saturday. It was really fun to actually uh, get to meet you. I, I met you on a live stream, but it was nice to meet you in uh, yeah. real life in IRL, as as the kids say. Uh, so yeah. that was that was a real treat for me uh, personally. So thank you for uh, coming on here and uh, sharing your thoughts and your experience with the celebration. All right. So right now we're going to get to some DC TV podcast plugs and super radio plugs. We got some in there as well. And uh, so we'll uh, get to those and be right back. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired. DC TV Podcast also has a Tee Public store, so if you're in need of new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the Tee Public store link at the top of the page. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you also like The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, Titans, Doom Patrol, 
Batwoman, Stargirl, Superman and Lois, and the upcoming Green Lantern, Justice League Dark, and Strange Adventure shows, and DC TV After Dark. You can subscribe to the DC TV Podcast Mega Feed on Apple Podcasts. Follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook or else. This has been a message from Hope, inhabiting the Flash Vessel, also known as New Rachel. And since we've been talking about Superman Celebration in small town America, we actually have some small Smallville merch in the DC TV podcast, a T public store. So if you're a big fan of Smallville or just small towns in general, uh, go pick up a shirt or a mug or whatever you want in the uh, the DC TV podcast public store we've got some cool stuff in there and also if you are interested and would like to support the supergirl radio patreon uh we have four monthly levels that you can uh sign up at patreon.com slash supergirl radio and support the podcast if you would like to do that we do have some supergirl radio uh patrons that uh have been uh, helping us keep the lights on so just want to give a shout out to michael sam and marie Grout, Yvonne, Quinn, Jessica, Nicola, Leslie, Susan, Abby, Armgard, Miriam, Sheree, Donna, Nicole, Lizeth, and Deb. So uh, thank you to everybody who has been supporting Supergirl Radio with the Patreon. And I just uh, want to remind everybody we're still doing the uh, Supergirl Radio uh, photography contest with our, our favorite uh, Supergirl, Flat Supergirl. Uh, the The way that you can participate in this is uh, you just go to SupergirlRadio.com and look at the uh, right side of the page. We've got some links to where you can download and print the Flat Supergirl uh, image. Just cut her out and then uh, attach her with a tape or glue or put her on a popsicle uh, stick pen or pencil just attach her in some way uh lynn workman actually had created a little stand for his uh, flat supergirl which i thought was pretty inventive and uh just take a creative picture with flat supergirl you can do this as a selfie but it doesn't have to be just whatever you want to put put flat supergirl in whatever situation you want to put her in and uh, then once you have your picture, post it to Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Make sure to tag at Supergirl Radio and use the hashtag Supergirl, the hashtag, hashtag Supergirl Adventures so that we can find it and keep track of it. And uh, Lynn uh, did take a, a bunch of flat Supergirl mm. uh, pictures uh, from Superman yeah. Celebration. They were pretty good. He uh, got in there with the Superman of the official Superman of Superman Celebration. Uh, flat Supergirl hung out with Crypto the Superdog. Uh, he, uh, flat Supergirl was with with all of us in front of the Superman statue being part of our group shot. Uh, Flat Supergirl got to visit the Super Museum. Uh, so Flat Supergirl really did get to uh, experience Superman celebration and really participate in the activities going on over the weekend. So uh, I was glad that uh, Flat Supergirl got to go and uh, have that experience. Uh, so if you want to uh, follow me and keep up with me personally, I'm on Instagram at the Derby Kid. I'm also on Vero if you if you're a Vero person, uh, but I'm mostly just on Instagram. So you can follow me at the Derby kid. Uh, you can also uh, check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash duck milk prod. Uh, I have some live streams that I do on most Sundays at 4 PM Eastern, where I'm reading through the negative reviews from the top critics of rotten tomatoes about Batman V Superman, Dawn of justice. It's been a real journey so far. So if you are into that, into that analysis, uh, come join me on Sundays at 4 PM Eastern. Uh, August is going to be 
tough because I'm going to be gone a couple of weekends uh, this month. So just check the YouTube channel. I've scheduled the ones where I will be available. So you'll know uh, when to check those out. Uh, one of the reasons that I'm going to be out uh, for uh, this weekend is because I'm going to Atlanta Comic Con. I'm doing five panels there, which is so dumb. Why did I agree to that? I don't <laughs> it's know. It's going to be really relaxing, I'm sure, for you. A very show weekend. Everybody's going to be like, God, this Rebecca Johnson lady's everywhere. She needs to go home. We're sick of her. Uh, but uh, I've got some panels. If you're in the Atlanta area and you want to come hang out with me, uh, I'm going to be doing a uh, podcasting panel about some tips and tricks I've learned over my many years of podcasting. That's going to be on Saturday, August 7th at 1 o'clock p.m. in room C109. Uh, so come hang out with me if you're interested in podcasting. I'll also be talking about some Zack Snyder-related items. Uh, so Saturday, August 7th at 7.30 p.m. in room C104. I'm going to be talking about Army of the Dead and the, probably the prequel Army of Thieves and the animated, or not animated, the anime uh, that's going to be going along with that universe. He's creating a whole army of the dead universe. So if you're into zombies, uh, come hang out with me. We'll talk about some zombies. Uh, we're also going to be talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League, getting a lot of Zack Snyder uh, representation in Atlanta Comic Con. That's going to be happening. Uh, that's my first panel. I kind of did these out of order, but uh, just go with it. Uh, so uh, so this one is going to be bright and early, Saturday, August 7th at 10.30 a.m. in room C-104. That's uh, where we're going to be talking about Zack Snyder's uh, Justice league and if you're also interested in Zack snyder's justice league oh, we're gonna have a, a second one because why oh, not cool. um yeah <laughs> so uh i decided i was gonna uh do a panel just uh about uh, uh putting out our pitches if uh if we could pitch uh something for hbo max to continue the Snyderverse, uh what what would you what would you pitch what would you uh present to them so uh so we're going to have a hashtag restore the snyderverse pitch meeting on saturday august 7th at six o'clock p.m in room c 104 uh and so i'm going to play the role of the hbo executive who will either accept the pitch or you know green light the pitch or reject it and say thank you for your time uh so the uh, the best pitch is going to get a Zack snyder's justice league prize from me so you'll actually get to walk away with something fun and uh, that'll be a good time. And so I, I have a couple of pitches on my own, but I'm curious about what other people would uh, suggest for the uh, continuation of the Snyderverse. Uh, in my final panel on Sunday, August 8th uh, at 3.30 p.m. in room C109 is going to be all about Supergirl and Supergirl season six. We're going to be talking about the final season. We're going to be talking about what's already happened. We're also going to speculate on what's going to be happening uh, for the rest of the season. So if you are in the Atlanta area and you want to come Talk about Supergirl on my birthday. Uh, come join me because uh, that, that'll be a ton of fun. Uh, so that will be my uh, fifth and final panel. So I'm really loaded up on Saturday. Got four on Saturday uh, going from about 1030 a.m. to 730 p.m. <laughs> uh, wide range of topics. Uh, so uh, and then uh, Sunday will just be all about Supergirl. So if you want to come hang out, if you're in the Atlanta area, please come and join me. Uh, that will be a lot of fun. I'm actually looking forward to it a great deal. Uh, kind of do a lot of preparation, kind of rewatch all these things and make sure I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so that when I go into these things, I will be prepared. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. Atlanta Comic Con is uh, growing, I think. It'll be interesting to see how many people show up this year. Uh, but it's a, it's a pretty good little convention. So it'll be cool stuff to do there. Well, I think that's uh, going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. Until uh, the next time we meet, I'm still Rebecca Johnson, and I hope to see you 
at the next Superman celebration. The CW are just trying to win the time slot war with Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? It's being, becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> so I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio.